Welcome back, my little pretties. This is your friend Shane LeMaster with Conversations with the Mind. You are in the right place if that's what you're looking for. Even if you're not looking for it, stick around and uh, see if you uh, see if you learn something. Um, thank you for listening, folks. Uh, listenership continues to grow. Please like and share. Pump those messages out there. Pump those uh, those tendrils of love and compassion out to your friends and their ear holes. Um, and let your family know, you know, that this is an important topic. We need to talk about these types of things, folks. This is just the beginning of the conversation, what I'm putting out on the air here. The conversation really takes shape and takes life when it continues with you. You know, when you think about these ideas yourself and then you start up conversations about them, that's really where the conversation starts to uh, take off exponentially. We can have such a huge impact on planetary consciousness, guys. Uh, I know it seems like a big task, but really, by doing these little things that I suggest every week, you know, liking, sharing, donating, YouTube page, you know, sharing this with your friends and family, starting these conversations in your communities, um, that's how we change things. That's how we shift the collective consciousness across, you know, that spectrum. We need enough momentum and enough people talking about it that we see this, like, monumental shift once it hits a, hits a certain point, um, which I'm sure is going to happen in our lifetime, but I'd like it to happen faster than uh, it is moving right now. So like and share, donate, uh, support the YouTube page. We've got all kinds of videos and cool stuff up there. And uh, maybe uh, in the spirit of this episode, I'll start putting together a folder of a playlist of maybe uh, – Music that can be used in different ways. Maybe I'll put up different genres of music and different healing um, potentials of music up in different folders and try and contribute and and put some music in there for you guys to use. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, let's get it on with a little bit of Arturo Complex coming to your coming to your ear holes. Here we go, folks.
Okay, so this is where we usually do the good news story, but I'm going to switch it up again this week. Sorry, folks, but it's all good news. I hope I hope your lives are just flourishing and taking off. And uh, you know what? If they're not, if you're stuck in a in a tough place, I got some good news for you. You know, maybe the best news if you really let it sink in. Uh, what you're in right now is going to end. That's it. That's the news. Whatever you're feeling right now, whatever negative spot you're in, it'll end. It's not going to last forever. And, uh, and that's a little warning to those of you who are in a good headspace that that too will end. So really soak it up and enjoy it and spread the love. All right. So instead of a good news story today, I'm going to read an excerpt um, from this, uh, this fantastic paper I just read. It's from the Journal of uh, Experiential Psychotherapy, June 2018. So really relatively new, last year and a half. The under uh, the uh, title of the article reads uh, "Understanding Human Consciousness: Theory and Application." Pretty basic, and it really is a, a great overview of you know the majority of the most impactful theories of consciousness. I found it to be extremely informative, uh, and it goes through uh, social science perspectives on consciousness, a number of theories. It goes over um, the philosophy of science, physical sciences, perspectives on consciousness, which is great. Uh, they go into like neurochemistry, neurobiology, uh, neurosciences, quantum physics in that section. I found that to be amazing. Uh, I'm a big fan of some of those um, quantum sciences. Let's see. They they had a whole section on uh, entitled Societal Transformation Through Collective Consciousness, which is exactly what I was talking about in the introduction, how we can you know, spread this conversation and get more and more people involved. Uh, this is a way of societal transformation. Kind of cool. Um, anyway, fascinating article. It was really amazing. They not only only went over the, uh, theory and consciousness and the he, and the history. Uh, they looked at it from I think like five different perspectives, uh, mystical traditions, all that stuff, and then concluded with some uh, suggestions for application in a number of domains, including leadership, organizational structure, uh, the education system. And how we could revamp these systems in really big and important ways uh, to help shift uh, that collective consciousness forward. Because we are stuck. Most of uh, human society is stuck in Cartesian dualism still. We still think of uh, ourselves as me and you. Like there's some separation there. Like uh, we're completely separate entities. When quantum physics tells us, Exactly the opposite. You know, Newtonian physics is locked in this us and them mentality, whereas quantum physics says we're all made of the same stuff. We're all interconnected by the same uh, microscopic um, atoms and molecules. So anyway, I'll get to the reading and then I'll let that sink in for you guys. You guys can take that and think about it. Would love to hear your comments on it, though, if you wanted to post uh, on any of these um, reading. So here we go. This is from the conclusion section, and I'm just going to read it in its entirety because it's really good and it's uh, fairly short. So here we go. Exploring the way in which human beings increasingly become aware and interconnected touches on the fundamental issue of our existential purpose. Available perspectives on consciousness, its level specific contents, 
how it translates across various manifestations of our reality, the biological and subatomic dynamics involved, as well as the implications for collective and transcendent consciousness, all soften the divide between the depth of our subjective experiences of consciousness or the territory and our theoretical and speculative maps of what is involved. It seems that consciousness is more than sensory awareness, feeling, and thinking. It involves a sense of self which is inextricably embedded in a delicate awareness of transcendent consciousness. It manifests as a psychological ambiance or mental configuration which guides our decisions, often in counterintuitive ways towards achieving our emerging personal purpose. It also takes on a prominent role in directly determining our own perceptions, preferences, and decisions, as well as those of others. Consciousness may be colored by physical, psychological, and cultural factors, but may transcend those aspects. Its development seems nurtured by richness of experience, interpersonal harmony and love, spirituality, depth of interest, introspection, intention, and feeling. The key catalysts for the emergence of higher levels of consciousness, however, seems those of practicing compassion and observing silence. Although there may be fluctuations of our levels of consciousness at certain periods of life or under certain circumstances, an overall tendency or state of awareness mostly tends to prevail. It affects those around us and can be leveraged to transform organizations and societies. Within the context of individual and collective life, however, consciousness is ever-emerging, as pointed out by Graves' predicted possibility of the next choral level. So this was referring to uh, Graves' model of development of consciousness, where, um, you know, I think the highest level that he... Uh, published on was turquoise, but uh, and that was sort of this transcendent uh, level. But he's saying here that uh, predicted the possibility of a next coral level as the highest red um, power orientation to be realized um, in this uh, spiral dynamics spiral. The subject of consciousness thus remains a deeply mysterious but of profound importance for the proliferation of life and our continued existence and growth. I really liked that. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And, uh, okay, so let's get to the conversation that's been on my mind recently. I will give you peace of my mind. And uh, this is in relation to uh, the guests. Yes, you heard right. More than one guest on the show today. And so today we had on uh, a band... The Arturo Complex, yay! You guys have heard some of their stuff already. All the music on this show is written by them. Uh, they wrote it for the show, and they just came out with a new album. Um, anyway, what's been on my mind recently is this idea of collaboration, right? So they're a band, they collaborate. This idea of collaboration towards an exploration of consciousness. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, we can get... If we're interested in this idea of exploring inner worlds and exploring what consciousness is, others are interested too. And oftentimes when we get together with others who are interested in this and we can explore each other's thoughts and and use that information as like puzzle pieces to build on each other, um, 
it becomes a collaborative effort towards, uh, you know, an exploration and a greater understanding of consciousness and what it's like to be human. And this collaboration often yields um, outcomes that are far greater than what's possible on our own. Uh, we are very powerful on our own, but when we come together, um, that power doesn't only double. You know, there's an added little extra component that happens when when multiple people come together and resonate on one issue and collaborate. Um, which is also why I think uh, music is so powerful. Uh, you have all these individual pieces who are full of talent and ideas and richness and depth, and then they come together. And, you know, it's not just a combination of however many band members there are, but what they create is far greater than anything that they could have created on their own. So uh, I just think it's an amazing idea, and it speaks truth to, you know, how social we are as human beings and how much we need to rely on each other to get past our, um, you know, our blind spots. Uh, also, in relation to um, our guest today, I was thinking about this, I, the idea of just a brotherhood and you know, I know brotherhood is more of a male-oriented term, but um, I'm gonna like take a gender-neutral stance on this one, just as so as not to uh, um, not to confuse the point that I'm trying to get at here. Uh, so I'm just gonna use the the terminology brotherhood, um, humanhood, or or. You know, well, I don't know how else to describe it. When I say the word brotherhood, the things that come up for me is like this really deep bonding. And, you know, I I totally can see and know that that can happen between um, females. It could ha happen between male, female, you know, any number of combinations. So it shouldn't necessarily be called brotherhood, but that's classically what it's been called, um, which is not a, necessarily appropriate anymore. But anyway, it gives you a certain feeling still when you hear the term brotherhood. And um, so that's what I want to key in on. Not really the language that we're using here, but the feeling, um, the structure that pops in your head when you hear that term. And for most of us, I think, you know, it brings up all sorts of things, uh, feelings of belonging, um, complete trust, um, you know, a feeling that you would sacrifice yourself for the person next to you, uh, that you're willing to help them out as if they are you, um, you know, all these things, you know, these brotherhoods transcend family ties. Um, I don't know, just very powerful relationships and increase, um, you know, for an individual being a part of a, a brotherhood or, a uh, some sort of, you know, inclusive uh, group that shares ideals and goals and really backs each other up and has each other's back and support. Uh, you know, it, I feel like for the individual, it increases their sense of purpose, uh, meaning, connection. Um, it can spur motivation if you're feeling very unmotivated to do things with your life. Being around people who want the same things you want um, you know, you can feed off of that energy. You know, you're not all going to be peaking at the same time. Some of, some of you in the group are going to be, you know, falling short on some of your goals. Others are going to be blasting their goals out of the water. And that fluctuates. That goes back and forth. You guys will probably switch roles many times. But the cool thing about doing it together is that when you're faltering, when you feel like, oh, man, I just can't go on and keep doing this thing, 
you can rely on a group, a brotherhood to share energy um, when when they're doing really successful and you're not, um, you know, part of part of that is, is sharing that energy so you can get re-motivated and continue to grow and continue to be successful because one day, you know, it's expected in those kind of tribes that, you know, one day if you do a favor like that and they may come around for another favor, um, you know, to repay that. And that's fine. That's sort of like old co- codes or rules of rules of the road, rules of the road. All right. So gave you a cool, uh, reading today, shared with you what was on my mind. Um, our guest today, like I mentioned before, super special guest, the Arturo complex, uh, an instrumental band from Denver, Colorado. Uh, they played at my wedding. I had only seen, I had never seen them before. Saw them open up for another band that I was going to see and was just blown away. I was like, these guys are local. Um, and so I was looking for, you know, a live band to play at our wedding because our wedding was at the Mishawaka Amphitheater up in the mountains of Colorado. Very beautiful location. Uh, a lot of famous bands have played there. I, I just saw Les Claypool. Uh, what was it called? The Claypool Lennon Delirium. Saw them up there um, last summer, which was really cool. So big names go up there, but we had our wedding up there, and I had full access to the stage. I was like, i got to take advantage of this. Who can I get up there? And I just uh, sent out a message on Facebook to the Arturo Complex saying, like, hey, loved you guys. Uh, would you be interested in this? And they were like, hell yeah, we will. So <clears throat> these guys have been super cool from the beginning. Um, the band consists of Dylan Quick, uh, Joe Hiddle, I hope I pronounced that correctly, and Josh Barrett. Um, like I said, awesome guys. If you listen to the show, you've heard their songs uh, by now over and over and over again. I, I put them in almost every episode um, because they help me to get into that um, that mental head space, that spaciness that I need to be in a little bit where I can... Uh, start to think about these abstract concepts that don't necessarily fit in our reality. So the Arturo Complex helps with that. Uh, we want to welcome to the show um, the band. Uh, go check them out on Facebook. Uh, it's spelled A-R-T-U-R-O Complex. Um, you can also reach out to them through uh, email at ArturoComplexOfficial at gmail.com. Uh, there's no periods in there, just Arturo Complex Official at Gmail. All this will be in the description, too, of the podcast. And you can go check out, um, I think this is their website, uh, HTTPS uh, colon forward slash forward slash uh, the Arturo Complex Denver dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, no spaces in there. In there, the Arturo Complex Denver dot Bandcamp dot com. Um, they just put out a new album. It is phenomenal, guys. Seriously, go check it out. It'll blow your mind. I don't care what kind of music you're into. Um, you know this uh, this style of instrumental music that these guys play. Um, you know, really sucks you in. Uh, it doesn't. I don't even know if it has its uh, if it's part of a genre, but you guys should go check it out. Um, it's on Spotify. It's on all sorts of different. I think it's on Apple. Uh, all sorts of different listening platinums uh, platforms. So go check it out. Okay, 
So let's get into the show, folks. Um, hope you enjoy. I certainly did. And we're going to take a deeper dive into music this week with the Arturo Complex, a multiple, a multiple, let's see, it is a multiple, or it's a many individual consciousness, you know, these three individual guys, um, they're all on their journey of self-exploration and understanding consciousness. And when they come together, man, they know how to express it in a way that um, really is is a medicine. It expands our awareness. So check out the podcast, guys. Keep on listening. We love you. through conversations with interesting people. Our mission is to engage the collective mind piece by piece to bring greater clarity of mind to our listeners locally and across the planet and to contribute to broaden the shared experiential knowledge and wisdom of existence. All right, folks, welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, as always, Shayla Master, and today we're here with very special guests, uh, almost the entirety of uh, the Arturo the Complex. Actually. The entirety mm-hmm. of the Arturo Complex. Um, so, for the for the listeners out there who've been listening for a while, and even if this, this is your first episode, you've already heard uh, one of the songs that the Arturo Complex uh, wrote for the show. And uh, I try and include all the versions that you guys wrote in, incorporated in some way or another. Uh, I don't know if you guys have listened to the show or not. Yeah, right definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I play around with, like, the placement of those, and, and uh, you know, I think it's it, it brings a, a, a little bit extra to the show, you know, as well, far as you. feeling. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm honored to have you guys up here. Thank you for making the trip. Oh, thank yeah. you for inviting yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, everybody hear everything okay? Yeah. Okay, yeah. perfect. We're um, First question is the same for everybody, and I don't know. We can, we can like take turns or bounce between you guys or whatever as far as your answers go to some of these, you know, questions today. Um, but the first question is always the same, and that is, you know, the podcast is called Conversations with the Mind. And I'm wondering, how does that phrase, like, land with you guys? What, what personal meaning does it bring up or memory? Uh, when you hear that, Conversations with the Mind, what is it? What does it mean to you guys? You always want to start. I'll start, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, conversations with the mind. Kind of like, I think immediately think like introspective and like thinking um, like speaking with your subconscious consciously and becoming more aware of something. I think that's what consciousness is too. Just like the more aware of the situation that you're in is. Mm. To put it, so the conversation for you is like yeah, part of part of like an inner awareness or an inner dialogue to make make sense of what this is, what this reality is. Right. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I think I have a similar take as Josh. Um, 
I think like for for my personal experience, um, kind of the conversations with yourself, you know, like when you do something, when you go through something, learning from it, taking those lessons and like growing with it, you know, and I think um, you only get your one perspective, you know, you can be influenced by other people. But I think when you're going through life and making decisions, you always have to be having a conversation with yourself, like, do I want to do this thing, the good thing, or the bad thing, or whatever it may be. You're constantly having to kind of grow from your own consciousness and kind of learn from everything that you've experienced. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's, you know, in a lot of the United States, at least, a lot of Western cultures, like, it's looked down upon if you have, like, these conversations with yourself, yeah. right? Like, there's something wrong with you, or you're sick, or you're hearing voices, yeah, or like something like psycho. that. psycho. Exactly. Yeah. But for you guys, uh, so far, whatever, like, it, it's used as a, a tool for growth, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's Absolutely. something that happens to us all, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this to uh, segue off of what they were saying... At least for me, uh, like kind of everything is a conversation with the mind, whether you're tuned into it or not. It's like the uh, ongoing kind of dialogue between you and the universe in a certain aspect. Uh, like at any time you're having a conversation with someone, you can just kind of zone out and start thinking about something else. Or you can be controlling in the conversation or be passive aggressive or kind of throw off whatever vibe. And that's kind of just life in general. You know, Mm -hmm. it kind of has these ups and downs and different characteristics and personalities that you can take on in conversating, uh, either with the mind, with yourself, with other people, just kind of in general with that whole universal mind structure, whatever it is. uh, So I think it's about kind of taking a moment and uh, reflecting on how you're going to reflect in a certain aspect, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because... at least from personal experience, like meditating, if you're, if it's not done in the right way in a certain aspect, can be just kind of a waste too. You know, if you're not meditating on the right things, it's kind of not helpful. You got to make sure your intentions are 100%. You're kind of going for something that's true and righteous in the end of the day. And when you say meditating on like the wrong things, what comes to my mind is just like everyday rumination on negative things happening in your life or, exactly. or past events yeah. like that turns into a meditation it's so repetitive you know and it almost like numbs you and lulls you out because of exactly it. Mm-hmm. uh there's so many different forms of addiction out there whether it's to like social media or food or substances or just attention from people you know so uh just kind of making sure whatever it is that you crave is healthy for you and healthy for others sure mm-hmm. yeah not doing harm for sure mm-hmm. is number one so I mean, that leads me right into my next question is, you know, how do you guys conceptualize consciousness in and of itself? I mean, you, you mentioned, like, an emerging dialogue from subconscious out to consciousness, uh, like, out into your life and how, how you interact. You're, I mean, what you just said, Dylan, s- speaks volumes about, um, you know, not just consciousness being a thing, but consciousness being maybe some interaction that's going mm-hmm. on, you know. Maybe it's the action of change or the action of interaction that fuels um, aspects of consciousness. So, what do you what do you guys think? Like, there's so many theories out there as far as what consciousness is, but I think we all have individual experiences that we sort of really latch onto and really inform like what we think it is and how we show up to the world. You know, uh, me personally, like, man, the simulation theories got me. Off in a loop, you know, because 
part of me says like I can overcome that programming, you know, and like have control over this matrix or over this consciousness. So I, you know, I got a master's degree in uh, sport and performance enhancement. So I like work on, um, you know, enhancing the capabilities of the mind, you know, mm-hmm. and. So these belief systems have informed like the directions of my lives. So, mm-hmm. how about for you guys? What what is when you what is consciousness? Yeah, kind of, it, and how yeah. do I put a stamp on it? I'll go first on this go one. Yeah, nice. So, uh, it's kind of a weird thing because I I recognize that there's like four dimensional space, you know, with time and three mm-hmm. D space. But I've always kind of thought about the fifth dimension kind of being free will and choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like here you are, you're. Uh, consciousness, yourself, whatever it is, kind of navigating these other four dimensions, using that free will, that fifth dimension to kind of make choices and kind of direct where you're going to go inside of that uh, space-time thing, but you're also navigating with choices, so it's kind of navigating this higher realm of like the consciousness dimension almost is kind of how I look at it, where uh, kind of at every single moment you're kind of altering the universe with every single little tiny split decision that you make it's almost like you're making an alternate universe with every tiny little split decision that you're making which that's super freaky because when you think about it there's you know almost eight billion people making all these decisions every single day that are branching off and creating these alternate universes that we're all kind of then navigating simultaneously (laughs) with all of the decisions that we make Right, and that's only on our planet, too. Exactly. Every cosmic change that happens out there in space creates another alternate, infinite slice of the pie, you know? Exactly, Mm -hmm. but I think uh, there's this term I wish I could remember who I heard it from. It's ethnosphere, which is kind of like uh, the accumulation of, like, said consciousness in that area. Like, in this room, it'd be, like, the four of us. Like, how are we perceiving reality right now? Mm -hmm. Kind of the, the four of those getting meshed together kind of dictates what we experience and then that goes for oh well that goes for the town of this the country of this the planet of earth you know this galaxy or whatever it's like all of our mass idea of like imagining what the reality to be kind of mushed together kind of dictates what reality actually is Hmm. but then there's subjective experience too like i could be seeing red and you guys are seeing blue and green you know but we all call it red or something like that you know Mm -hmm. and that's kind of that idea of like we're all like identifying that it's red even though we're all experiencing it kind of differently uh in the end of the day it is what it is because we're all kind of identifying it like together right it's like a merge yeah a merge of understanding and uh yeah that infinite experience the more more people you bring in the more uh blend the more contrast the more arguments all of that type of thing kind of just more in general Mm -hmm. you know obviously it just adds more ingredients to the pot like in a fractal way exactly like every component that gets added nice what about you guys uh, i don't know <laughs> <Josh>. <laughs> i know very very similar to dylan though uh-huh. um, um but it's it's like consciousness i think is like the lessons that you learn in life and the knowledge that you gain kind of that's what you're what you're basing your life off of mm-hmm. is what what you know, and I, I think that's your consciousness, and I think you share that with everybody. And I don't know that that's a little hard to explain. Well, it's it, yours seems tied to like the idea of learning, you know, yeah. and how much do you learn in a lifetime? And because like uh, I'm sorry, um, because like although we perceive is all that 
like what we know. And to look just like that, you know, red, blue thing, like I could be experiencing something completely different than what you're experiencing, but we're sharing the same reality in a a sense. Right. And you both speak of like you're hinted at like this idea of collective consciousness. You said like a consciousness dimension. Mm -hmm. And, and I imagine like this whole new plane of existence where, you know, even, even in dream states, we can co-mingle in this consciousness plane. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But, um, what about even, I mean, like those are all a collective of individual consciousness. Do you think there's like one underlying, um, stream that I do a little bit. I mean, I think like, I can't think your thoughts or anything, but I can affect your thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, I can do something good to you or bad to you, and it puts you in a different place. Yeah. And I think our consciences can be shaped from our parents, from the people we're around, and all that stuff. And I don't know, I think, but I think we're definitely connected, because we're always learning from each other, we're always affecting each other, and um, yeah, I think that's kind of how we grow as a society, as human beings in general. And as individuals as well. Mm-hmm. So then, I've heard of this um, this theory. I gotta look more into it. What is called panpsychism, where you believe that everything has a consciousness, inanimate objects, mm-hmm. the rocks. Right. It's kind of like Platonic form, if you've ever heard of that. I haven't heard like, of that. Uh, so I, like Plato was talking about, like this is table. Mm-hmm. Like no matter where you go, the concept of table is kind of the same thing. It's this flat shit that you put shit on top of (laughs) you know like it exists like universally the idea of table but then it kind of goes on to like hero hero is hero it doesn't matter where you are there's this concept of you know the protagonist saving society and shit and that's kind of universal and it's like do things like that have a consciousness of themselves does evil have a consciousness Mm -hmm. does drinking water have a consciousness you know Mm -hmm. and uh what do you think? At least for me, uh, to, without getting, you know, absolutely too religious, it's like everything has a consciousness, mm-hmm. like just kind of that universal mind-weaving net that encompasses everything. So uh, to me, it's kind of like the more simple a molecule is, kind of the lower vibrational right. consciousness thing that it has. If you look at human brain neurons, they're like the most complicated molecules we've ever come across. So obviously our consciousness is going to be kind of at a higher vibration and then kind of the less complicated a molecule gets, kind of the less consciousness vibration that it has. Not to say it doesn't have consciousness. Sure. It might just not be able to be as self-aware and, like, interactive in that consciousness dimension that I was kind of talking about beforehand. Uh, no, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of the people that argue against that idea, and I'm, I'm right mm-hmm. in line with you, too. Like, I think everything has... I mean, we're all made out of the same shit, you know? Um, we all, you know, have this underlying... Uh, not just biological f- uh, forms, but everything, you mm-hmm. know? But it makes sense the way you explain it, like, in this in this scalar way, right? Like, mm-hmm. different levels of consciousness, um, just because, you know, these my computer can't... Well, now it can fucking talk to me. <laughs> yeah. but I was going to say, like, this table can't, like, talk to me necessarily verbally, but uh, I need to observe and at least recognize that it has a consciousness of its, of its own, but it manifests in a different way. Right, so we need to kind of break our own 
construction of what consciousness is or could be. Like, most people don't even think that, like, plant life is conscious, right? That's, like, almost an obvious thing to right. us, right? You're like an aspen groves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you do any psychedelic and, like, put your hand on a tree and you, like... It starts talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally. Like, you merge with, with those processes and you can see how wise that shit is. Um... But I brought up panpsychism because um, you guys were talking about a little bit about this idea of like consensus reality, right? Like this objective reality that everyone seems to agree on that is real, um, and how we're all kind of socially co-constructing it at once, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but consciousness itself, I think, is beyond that, right? It, it maybe plays and dances within this construct a little bit. Um, but at the same time, panpsychism would say that, you know, that this reality, this subjective reality, is conscious in and of itself because it it exists, right? Mm-hmm. If it exists, it has some form of consciousness. So this reality that we're creating has its own consciousness um, that's maybe separate but interacting with a higher consciousness. Um, just some ideas that I've been blowing out of the top of my skull recently. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like... What you guys talk about, um, you know, I think I went, I went on to your uh, Facebook page today to get a lot of the uh, contact info that I'm going to be putting on the description of this podcast. And I came across uh, something that I hadn't seen before. And it seems like it's like your mission statement mm-hmm. or something for the band. And uh, for the listeners, it says uh, collective consciousness creating auditory alchemy. Right. And um, <laughs> I want to know. Because when I read that, you know, just like when I asked you about conversations with the mind, like when I read that, that had like an impact on me personally and like had all this knowledge that I had about consciousness kind of shifted and coalesced in a different way because I read what this is and and I listen to your guys' music and I feel like it is transformative. So to you guys, I kind of want to ask you with your with your conceptions of consciousness and reality and all that stuff, what does that phrase mean to you guys that uh uh what is it collective consciousness creating auditory alchemy i know you guys all have different little takes on it yeah for sure so uh kind of weaving back into the conversation we were talking about earlier it like kind of starts on you know it starts with oh here's an idea i have by myself you know and then i'll like i'll bring it to these guys and it flourishes so much more you know and then we take it to the stage or something like that where we definitely, I like, we love improv, love just pulling shit out of our ass. You know, it's yeah. the best feeling in the world. Because when you're on stage doing that, especially in front of people, it's not just you making the music. It's how those people's vibes, their attitude, their consciousness essentially is sculpting the songs. And especially, I don't know, the more you do that, the more you improvise in front of people on stage, the more you're able to be like, that little... That little, like, 16-year-old kid right there, he wants me to do, like, this riff right now, and you'll do it, and the 16-year-old kid's like, ah, and you're like, yes, like, and it's like this weird kind of uh, clairvoyance of, like, kind of being able to read people. It's what the whole, like, authentic, like, DJing is, you know, good DJs read a room. Yeah, uh, like, this is what I need to play right now to set this place off. So it's kind yeah, of uh, yeah, yeah. just buying into that whole ethnosphere thing again and just kind of riding the wave together with everyone in the room. Yeah, yeah that's my favorite part about live, playing live, anything, is is like that connection that you get with the audience and like mm-hmm. that energy flow and like we're all one unit, like 
objectively, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. In a spaceship like, of your own. Yeah, right, you know, right, like, right. everyone is in this kind of, like, similar reality, but mm-hmm. in reality, they're just in this room like, listening to music. But it's a like, shared reality. Yeah, yeah. like, they're, they're in this, like, really cool yeah. mental space where they're having a blast. Everything is left behind, and they're just having a blast. I yeah. love that. And I think the cool thing, like, especially playing, like, instrumental music, um, there's no words to, like, rely on for, like, the audience members and stuff, so every time I listen to it, each person is going to get a completely different experience from it, you know? And I think that's kind of part of the statement that we have, is, like, it's our band kind of coming together, creating music for people, so that every person has their own experience with mm-hmm. it, you know? Because the alchemy aspect of it, uh, at least for me, I don't want it just to be, like, the alchemic reaction of, like, us putting notes together to create something, mm-hmm. um making music has changed my life and saved my life in so many, you know, infinite ways, uh, both creating it and going to live shows and listening to other people's records. I would not be half of half of half the man that I am if I didn't have music to be kind of the staple for my personal development. So to be able to create something that hopefully does the same for someone else, even if it's on a little minuscule Mm. level is, you know, infinitely gratifying. So that alchemic reaction isn't just us coming together. I hope it's alchemy for like people's cells you know mm-hmm. they it can be alchemy for the self and you know listen to a song and be like oh i can run an extra mile i can go to work today and not quit my job or, or i can quit my job whatever the fuck you know you need depending on what your personal development is if it can just be that little push off the ledge to get you you know to take that leap of faith then mm-hmm. you know music is really doing its job nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like how um a lot of what you guys said. So first off, like the last guy I just had on yesterday, he uh, he used to be a DJ in the Detroit scene, like in the 90s, and he was talking exactly about that, like reading a room um, and adjusting the music based on what he was seeing and just like seeing transformation happen in mm-hmm. front of him. Yeah. And um, so when you guys are up there on stage, I mean, I love how you guys painted... Um, the picture of alchemy of you guys creating your own thing, but also, you know, alchemy within the listener too. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're reading somebody, when you're reading the crowd uh, or an individual in the crowd and trying to, you know, produce that alchemy out there, mm-hmm. um, I mean, how do you guys, how do you guys connect with that? How do you do that? Um, and I mean, I, I can only imagine. I, I don't feel like I. I <laughs> it's uh, like it's not an experience I'm familiar to, with. To it's describe. really the there's so many different ways about going about it, but the most essential thing with like a band unit is to spend as much time together as possible. I really think, like especially so there's music, to be flow. Like, yeah, and like these guys are my best friends, you know. And mm. there's plenty of bands out there that do it like professionally, you know. And it's harder when you have families and that type of stuff to spend as much time together, but. Especially when you're improvising, you have to just be able to read each other's minds, yeah. like without doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. it just has to. You just have to like lock in and just sync with each other, and that's mm-hmm. not possible unless you're kind of acclimated to each other. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe in like we carry a lot more to us than we can see. You know, mm-hmm. like our eyes and ears and those senses can't depict what people actually are. There's like a whole huge array of shit coming out of us, you know, magnetic mm-hmm. vibrations, just things way beyond our comprehension. So just making sure that those different aspects can like align with each other, whether you understand them or not is huge. Well, they know? say that you are who you hang out with. Right. And mm-hmm. literally like if you guys hang out more and more and more, your consciousness 
start to merge a little bit, sure. right? So to the point where you can like read the next thing that's coming, mm-hmm. or um, you know, even you're talking like even like the science of microbiomes, you know, extending beyond our body. Mm-hmm. So if you guys hang out with each other a lot, like you guys share a lot of the same bacteria and dust mites and things like that that we encounter in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so you literally are who you hang out with a little bit. You're a little piece yeah, of, of them, you know? <laughs> but the more you hang out with them, the more merged you are. And, and um, I think that's a beautiful thing, especially when it works out so well, because you guys all come to the table with, like, raw, like, individual talent out the wazoo. But when you come together, like, it, uh, it elevates all of your levels beyond what is capable, like, on your own. Totally, Mm -hmm. totally. When I practice by myself, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. But I'm playing the exact same thing, exact same way, but when I play it with them, it's just like, I don't know, when it's all together... You don't have to try after a certain point. Yeah, it's like like when you're, like, running songs, it just, like... At least for me, like, when we, like, run songs before sets, I just kind of, like, take a step back and observe from, like, a third-party standpoint and Mm -hmm. just kind of, like, watch my body do this shit with these other two dudes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they're just kind of hanging out in the back of their heads. Like, have you seen the movie, uh, what is that Pixar movie where it's, like, the little girl's brain? Oh, uh, Oh, Inside Out. Inside Out, yeah. It's, like, Inside Out, pretty much, where you're, like... Great movie. Just, uh, (laughs) like, sitting in this little TV console, just kind of watching your body just kind of do it. That's a great uh, kids rendition. Like, I think you could introduce kids to consciousness or ideas of consciousness through movies like that. That and like uh, Osmosis Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're avid fans of cartoons. <laughs> yeah, nice. Bunch <laughs> of fucked on the cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I've been going back and like watching old school cartoons that I grew up on. Um, like they were still old when I was like Bugs Bunny and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And oh, yeah. man, there's some like. Stuff that you cannot get away there's with. Some there's some shit. Yeah, there's some racist shit in there. Yeah. There's it's a bunch of wild there. stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh, yeah. They did not mess around back in the day. Right. <laughs> it's interesting to think like how that has even shaped my consciousness. Like Kids these days totally. will never be exposed to that. Mm-hmm. They're watching yeah. Adventure Time, which is, you know, subliminally mm-hmm. sneaking in conversations that we're having here <laughs> with little kids and like other cartoons yeah. like that. I'm all, I'm all for... Uh, Teaching them young. Yeah. There's, there's a uh, well, there's a show called like Veggie Tales or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I just read an article that, that yeah. they just introduced uh, like a cannabis character. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's, it's, no. it's like a Christian children's TV show. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's yeah. a. I grew up yeah. watching yeah. that. Yeah, and he saves lives. Well, that's that's what uh, that's how they spun it. Was that the he helped the mayor with his glaucoma and uh-huh. like anxiety and stuff. That's and, pretty cool. So like trying to introduce kids to the idea that like. They know their parents are doing it, but they don't understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So kind of saying like, oh, well, this is like a medicine. And mm-hmm. kind of, I like how they're That's like trying cool. to re-spin, um, you know, what we know and what, how we should treat well, these Well, yeah, how drugs. often do they talk about alcoholism or something like that in kids' cartoons? And then how many kids out there are dealing with that at sure. home? You know, a lot of these problems get tucked under the rug. So, as I said, teach them young, you know. It's not yeah. necessarily have your kids playing GTA five, you know, when they're four <laughs> years old or something. But... Uh, I think it's important to not shelter your kids too much from the horrors of the world, because then if they ever get exposed mm-hmm. to it, they're just screwed. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking about that today, like, because uh, Callie and I want to have kids, and, um, like, I'm all about old school, like, playing in the dirt. I think I'm going to, like, Hell just yeah. hang out with my baby, like, yeah. out in the front yard, just let it, like, crawl around yeah. in, the, in the dirt. <laughs> Build that immune system. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to me, that seems common sense, but, like, 
uh, I think there's, I don't know. There's Every weird... year new parenting books come out and whatnot, you know, about uh-huh. this is the right way to do it, this is the right way to do it, this is the right way to do it, and that's going to be, you know, until That's evolution, you know. You're supposed to do a better job than your parents did is kind of yeah. the, the bottom line. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're doing that, then shit will continue to spiral in a positive direction. Yeah. Uh, we have... Uh, wild issue in America of just kind of not wanting to talk about problems, not wanting to go to a therapist, not wanting to talk to your friends about problems, you know, it's mm. make yourself look perfect on Instagram mm. and uh, mm. ball out, you know, ball out. <laughs> that's kind of the mentality, but, uh, people want those likes. <laughs> I mean, why else, why else do people pursue that? I mean, because common sense, I mean, once you once you wake up to that idea and, like, all these games that are going on around us in society that people are falling prey to, when you when you awaken to that, like, how do you how do you talk to people about that? How do you confront them about that? I mean, they're getting lost in these alternate realities that, mm-hmm. I mean, to them, maybe are, like, super real. But, I mean, sure. who, who am I to say that that's not, like, what a real is, reality? Oh, yeah. Lots of people... You know, scoff at the thought of people making instrumental music. Sure, you know, yeah. So. Like, why don't you put a vocalist in there? I've heard that so. Or why don't times. you just make pop music or whatever? <laughs> why do you make music? Yeah. Why aren't you a banker? You yeah. know, like uh, why aren't you a banker? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's not. It's weird trying to. The only thing you can do is influence others. You can't really be like, "This is right. This is wrong." Be like, "This is what my moral compass." is telling me what I should do. Mm. If it is a good thing, hopefully it influences people for the better, and I'll do my best not to be influenced by other people's shitty actions is yeah. kind of the only way. I've done my best to, you know, I've had friends who are junkies live in my house for months on end, you know, mm. just, like, putting up thousands of dollars for friends, trying to help homies and shit, and, like, it helps, but am I really helping out their character in the end of the day by, right. you know? Yeah, and I've been, I've been on the receiving and the giving in like that mm. of... Know, sleeping on friends' couches and you know living in a tent for a while and it, it's know. a weird tide of like when are you an enabler and when are you uh you know actually helping with a lot of different things so sure well before we get off of um the you, you the connection that you have live with your with your crowd <laughs> too much side <laughs> that's okay that's okay I just have one more question uh, for uh, like related to that and that is um uh. I, I've been recently doing these experiments with uh, altered states in groups, and um, we're I'm exploring like whether um, if a group of people can raise or lower their their altered state similarly, like to a different level, right. um, are they able to collectively create something brand new that you can't necessarily create at like everyday sober reality, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, you know, I've tried it with cannabis. Uh, we get some pretty damn creative ideas. Um, I've asked people, because I don't drink, but I've asked people about their experiences with uh, groups getting get together drinking and sharing ideas. Not too fruitful. People tend to not remember those. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> yeah. not good. Uh, but also with psychedelics, too. And, um, you know, with ketamine and things like that, like people reaching these, these higher vibrations, you know. Uh-huh. And then they're vibrating together and sharing information in a, in like a new novel way. So my question is when you're playing live and you're like reading the audience, have you guys ever had experiences like that where you have either been in altered states um, or you've created an altered state through your music where you and the audience 
are sharing this um, this higher vibration that's not an ordinary state of consciousness. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, and, like, especially, like Dylan said, when we do that improv stuff live, mm-hmm. and we lock it in, it's like this more of a, a pulsating thing where it's, like, not even Josh is playing anything at that mm-hmm. moment. You're just a vessel for yeah. it to flow through you. I mean, whatever it is, right. is, like, that higher vibration. And I don't know. I like to call that God, mm-hmm. I think. How do you connect with that on a daily basis? Like, you, you'd think that you'd want to let that kind of flow through you all the time. All the time. Right? All the time. I mean, I guess you, you can't really. Right. I, I like to, I have a pretty regular meditating practice, nice. and that gets me, like, kind of in that state. You know, it, it's definitely not the same, but it's something similar and different at the same time. Sure. You still get a, an access to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, you guys... I think, I mean, yeah, going off with what he said, I think just, like, being on stage with a whole bunch of people that are paying attention and, like, we're all one together, like, we're interacting with each other. And with the three of us on stage, we're, like, sharing energy. Like, we're all communicating with each other without ever saying anything or anything like that. And I think when you get to those points, it's, like, time stands still. And it doesn't, like, you lose track of how long you've been playing, like you know do we need to play the next song or whatever you know and it's a crazy feeling like it's i think it's the my it's the best feeling that i've experienced i think and i think that's why i continue to chase it because i think you can't have that feeling all the time yeah and so you have both right so you you definitely have nights where you feel on right Mm -hmm. and you're totally connected but other nights where you're like uh you play the same set but you're like your joints don't work properly, right? right? right. And you're just getting way tired way faster and you're just mm-hmm. not connected to it. So, um, I mean, I know a lot of musicians have like rituals and things that they do before the show to kind of like get in that headspace and like connect to uh, whatever source, you know? Mm-hmm. Like when I'm going into like uh, some stressful event or an interview or something, um, sometimes I'll just say a little prayer in my head to just like, hey, you know, remove me, remove my ego from this and just, you know, come through me and don't let me obstruct your message, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And it seems to help, you know, that's like my little ritual. Yeah. Um, you guys have ways to do that kind of thing to like make, make that experience happen more frequently uh, as opposed to just letting it being spontaneous. You said you were chasing after that feeling sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think whenever I get into something like, before shows or anything, job interviews that I care about or whatever it is, like, if you're nervous about it, I truly think that's because you care about it. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, kind of preparing for those moments, I always just like to take a moment to be silent and just kind of sit with myself and my thoughts and just kind of collect myself and, like, ask myself, why is this important to me? Why do I need to make this the best experience that I can make it? Um, And that kind of helps me just be okay with whatever happens because I'll be confident of something going in. Like, I'll know what I want to do with it. And um, I think just with that, it allows, you know, me to reach that point that I'm trying to get faster than trying to worry about something and be nervous about it and get hung up on that. It's more of just being free and just wanting to go out and do whatever happens, Mm -hmm. you know, letting it happen naturally. So you connect the action that happens that night to, like, the deeper meaning and purpose behind it 
every time. Like you, like you want to remember like this is why I'm doing this. This is why I have to make yeah, this awesome. And I think like I want to so cool do it well. Like I want to perform well so that I impact other people. Like Dylan said, and impact somebody in the crowd or something like that. Because I remember being a kid and going to shows. And looking up on stage and being like, wow, this is so mm-hmm. cool. Like, that's what I want to do, you know? And now... That's what of, I still do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I still do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so do I. I still do, but having Especially this when you're small, a kid, though. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's fucking yeah, you're, magic. It's bigger than life, you know? And <laughs> I think now that we're in a position of that on, like, a small scale, where, we, you know, mm-hmm. we get to do that for other people... And I think that's a very special thing, and it makes me happy. Like, even though I'm not yeah. getting rich off of playing music or anything like that, just the fact that I know that, you know... At the I end of the night... Touch somebody, like, it's cool yeah. to know yeah. that. At the I've end of the night, there's always better. one or two people, even if it's, like, one or two people in the yeah. show who come up and they're like, thank you for what yeah. you do. Yeah, because uh, we don't make the most, like, commercially accessible music, mm-hmm. but if you can resonate with our music, I think it will resonate a lot with you, you know, because... Mm-hmm. Give it our all. <laughs> so sure, I only uh, saw you guys once, and then I was already hitting you guys dude, up to come play my way. That's what I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say. Like, that's like the, that's the perfect example, man. Like that means so much yeah. to me. Like I'm sure it does mm-hmm. to you guys. Like that you saw us one time yeah. and then wanted to reach out to us and be like, "Yo, come play my wedding." So, like, that's yeah. so special. Yeah. Man. Awesome. And then you guys did, and then we did. Super fun party. Super fun. Talking about. You had a question earlier about how the like crowd affects like how we play kind of or something along oh, those yeah, lines. Oh yeah, like, connecting with them in, in altered states, like gr- in a group sense. Yeah, and with yeah. your wedding being a perfect mm. example of that, that's a set that we were only going to play like one time. Mm. Uh, Half the audience pick. was microdosing too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so especially at Mishawaka Amphitheater and stuff, uh, like we're like, this is a special thing. We got to play, you know, some of your favorite songs and kind of render them in our style. Um, but, uh, doing something like that and taking on these like responsibilities to kind of make it special for the crowd, kind of, whether that's a wedding or whether it's, you know, a small bar gig or like somewhere bigger, (coughs) like the summit, uh, whether regardless of the situation just kind of altering the set to make sure that it kind of fits the occasion is something that i find very important you know i don't want yeah. to go out and play the same show every yeah. night mm-hmm. if that means yeah. getting rich i still don't think it would be worth it just because uh every day every moment is unique so kind of embracing that and making sure that whatever it is that we're doing is only going to happen that one time is uh something that i find very special for us mm-hmm. yeah yeah well We'll we'll never forget it. <laughs> and then, um, so I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about. So we talked about the alchemy piece, um, and um, a little bit about the altered state stuff. I still want to uh, hear a little bit more from you guys about um, as much as you'd like to share about your experiences with altered states, just because I think that's um, really important. Um, library of information that needs to be incorporated into our understanding of what consciousness is. Sure. Right? Um, But really, I mean, Dylan, you mentioned earlier how you guys play instrumental music, right? And Mm -hmm. most people I know don't listen to much instrumental. Like, that's pretty much what I'm consumed with these days is Mm -hmm. post-rock and instrumental-type rock music. And um, I'm wondering, for you guys, since there are no lyrics... Is there a specific message that the band has agreed on that you guys are like trying to convey to the to the audience? 
obviously not with word, mm-hmm. but with more with like feeling. Like it, but have you guys put thought? Do you guys put thought into that when you write your music? As far as like, we want the audience in this song. We want them to feel a certain this way. way or this way or, or yeah, like Definitely. we're trying to convey a certain message. And uh, kind of the more we've been playing together, the more that kind of is the case. Before it used to be like, here's a couple of riffs that are in the same key. Let's make sure that they end up in a song together. You know, it was kind of our old archaic way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of maturing as songwriters together, we've been able to uh, definitely take on a more cinematic kind of approach to things where it's like, okay, this is the vibe for this song, and we're going to really amplify that. Whether that's, you know, the sound of some fairy smoking DMT and flying around in, like, <laughs> cubic tessellation land, mm-hmm. or it's, you know, some World War One soldiers going to die on a tank or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, kind of whatever... The vibe is really making sure that if someone closes their eyes, they'll see some story. It doesn't have to be the story that we mm-hmm. think. But uh, do you guys come up with a story together, like a, um, like a little visualization of like this is what I'm imagining when I hear this? And no, it always changes. Yeah, no, okay. we use words a lot. Like okay. we'll be like pirate this or like <laughs> goblin yeah. this or rainbow something. Yeah. So. Uh, it's just a feeling that you feel yeah, like you gotta yeah. make it sound like pirate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So just kind of nice. t- making sure that it's very like vivid with the imagery, kind of regardless of what the imagery is. Mm-hmm. And kind of the more t- we play music together, the more we're able to have like a defined image, like the, yeah. the pixel resolution of whatever uh, emotion we're trying to convey or scenery or whatever kind of gets a little more defined. Mm-hmm. And I totally. ho- hope it continues to get more defined totally. the more we play with each other. Mm-hmm. And so, get nicer yeah. gear. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so you guys, you put a lot, it sounds like you put a lot of thought into, like, at least a like a picture that you're trying to paint, although you're leaving it up to the listener to, you know, add their subjective experience, too. Totally and everybody right, has a different right. experience. Yeah. But you guys have some level of, like, control in that situation over, you know, how the audience, how the individual is feeling and seeing and experiencing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think uh, all music and art is that way. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of the more abstract and uh, open you make it, the more room for navigation for the, like, viewer, witness, whatever it is. There's more room for interpretation. Right, where if if you're like, the song's like, I'm sad because this happened to me, it's like, oh, that person's sad because that happened. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if it's just like a sad song, you know, it could be about your dog dying, it could be Mm -hmm. about your girlfriend leaving getting an F on a test, it can kind of be... Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, you, you can, can be sad about whatever the hell sad. you want to be sad yeah. about. You Relate know, it to you whatever. a song that gets you stoked, yeah. it doesn't have to be about smashing 40s or, mm-hmm. you know, climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. It can be about smashing 40s and climbing a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, because every time I listen to uh, your new album, um, which is available on Spotify, right? Uh, is it available yep. anywhere else? Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, the works. Okay. If you have, yeah, all if you have a way of listening to music, you can find. Yeah, it. nice. So yeah. go check that out. And um, it, like I said, every time I listen to your album, um, each song has a different meaning every time I listen to it. Right. So without the words, like you said, like that instrumental provides infinite more possibilities for me to imagine something totally different each time mm-hmm. I listen to it. And I can be, you know, uh, I can be in different levels or states of consciousness, different altered states of consciousness, and listen to your album and have a totally different experience mm-hmm. every single time. And it'll have different meaning every single time, right? Mm-hmm. I love the the versatility that comes with uh, the style that you guys have chosen to, to do. 
Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I think we enjoy that, like not trying to stick to a certain sound or genre. Yeah. Like, I'm, there is similar sounds between songs and stuff like that, but I, we really try just to write what we want to write. You yeah. know, it's like, this sounds cool. Let's try to do something new with it instead of trying to be, you know, just we're going to write this one kind of sounding song over and over again in different ways and then make it an album. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I have no idea how the fuck people do that. Uh, to be yeah. completely <laughs> honest, <laughs> it baffles me that people have the patience to do that it's shit. Crazy. Like, yeah. we, we're the crazy ones, but, you know, that's crazy to me that mm-hmm. people are content making the same album over and over and over again. Yeah, right? Talking about the same exact things for mm-hmm. 12 songs in a row. Right. Yeah, right. yeah I can't but, stand that. You know, people do them. You know, yeah. everyone's I mean, reality is confined as they their experiences allow it to be well and that makes it more useful tool too like um people use music as as a tool like if they want to manipulate their consciousness in a certain way if they're you know if they're feeling sad and don't know how to really grieve in a process they may listen to sad music to like bring them deeper and invoke that or mm-hmm. if they're sad and they want to feel happy they'll listen to happy music or if they're angry they'll put on heavy metal or something mm-hmm. like that right so mm-hmm. um people try and alter their consciousness with it and I think with those albums that come out where, like, 12 songs are about getting money and, you know, mm-hmm. and a fat ride and stuff, mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of album you want to put on, like, in the morning when you're getting for work and just being like, this is why I'm doing this thing, you know? <laughs> So it, like, it helps, I guess, in some ways to alter your consciousness, but that's it, like the most basic level and I think that's why yeah. it's so mainstream is because people don't really delve into music and into themselves with the music as mm-hmm. much as we probably should or used to as tribal people you know I've always kind of looked at it like a pyramid where it's like a majority of people they like they'll listen to music but they don't really give a fuck about it you mm-hmm. know and then you'll have like musicians that are like you know they enjoy it as a hobby kind of on the next tier and their taste of music will be a little like more not better, but they'll spend more time kind of looking for whatever they listen to, and kind of the more serious a musician is, kind of the more amount of time that they'll spend uh, kind of, like, paying attention to what they listen to. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's a diet, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to write whatever kind of music that you really listen to in the end of the day, um, whether you're aware of it or not. It's, uh, you know, it says you are what you eat, and that goes for music, too. Um I love that you bring that up because I've said that on the podcast before, how everything you intake is part of your diet. You know, mm-hmm. what you look at on your phone, what you yeah. listen to in your music, who you hang around, that's all part of your diet. It's not just what you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all influencing you. Yeah, time diet. You know, yeah. How do you spend your time is, you know, the most important kind of one. Are you practicing? Are you, you know, taking time to take care of yourself? Yeah. Uh, all that different stuff will have an effect on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about for you guys? What do you think? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the spot. On the spot. I don't know. I can't remember what the original question I, I was. I kind of rambled. No, that's all good. I want to kind of link that to um, the idea that um, music... Uh, okay, so maybe... Whoa, I just blew my own mind in my head. Hold on a sec. So back to that theory that I mentioned before where everything has consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So then, therefore, maybe an idea maybe has consciousness. Um, And Yeah, maybe. So then, if that's true, then if uh, you guys coming together and writing a song is like a collective idea, 
right? Right. Then do the songs that you write potentially have their own consciousness? Definitely. Spirit. I right? love yeah. that so, question. Because yeah, I totally think so. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it, it invokes a a certain emotion for me at least every time we play it live and like each song has something different and something mm-hmm. that like I relate to and it'll only be there that that feeling that I'm feeling right then would only be there if I were playing that song mm-hmm. so I, I totally songs are like friends yeah mm-hmm. you know, and you get along with them especially as a musical performer especially with the improv aspect you get along with songs Better than others. Yeah. You know, like Habitual is one where we have a love-hate relationship, the second song <laughs> on our album, <laughs> Habitual Rituals. It's an awesome song, and some days I love playing it, but some days so I hate just, playing it. It's a lot of notes. Yeah. It's a lot of notes. Oh, it sounds notes. cool, but it's a lot of notes, and it's mm-hmm. a pain in the butt. So mm-hmm. that's a friend where it's like, man, I always have fun with you, but goddamn it, you're <laughs> kind of annoying. Hard to hang out with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were several yeah. songs like that. Mm-hmm. So... So you guys literally have relationships with your songs that oh, evolve over time. And, oh, yeah. And I'm sure you, you know, you fall out of love with songs, but then, like, you'll definitely. pick it back up five years later when you're way exactly. better. Exactly. We've, we've been talking about that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, bringing back. Redoing a bunch of the old songs. The songs stuff. from when we wrote when we were, like, 18, 19 yeah. years old, taking them. Old friends, you know, high school reunion, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> taking them and reworking them as adults and kind yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. giving them the respect they deserve because we spent a ton of time working on them we just weren't very mature as musicians so uh, going back and uh, taking those ideas that exist and giving them the full-fledged force and maybe mm-hmm. 10 years from now doing that same shit with uh, yeah. pretty the cool. album we just put out You know, mm-hmm. songs are never done being written in my opinion you can always mm-hmm. do more you just gotta call it quits eventually yeah, it'll drive you nuts, huh? yeah, <laughs> yeah and I applaud you and I applaud you, you know, I... I I got into podcasting on my own, and uh, I used to just record on my phone, and so it was really low-tech, and now I stepped up to, you know, computer editing software, and even like this this uh, Roadcaster Pro here, that's not an ad. Shout out, Roadcaster yeah. Pro. <laughs> <laughs> that's an but, uh, you know, even with that piece of technology that's super user-friendly, like, I'm only utilizing like 15% of that, right? So I... And I see the work, you, Dylan, you put into like the songs on the editing software and all that stuff and how many hours and hours you guys put into a project. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think most people realize just how much goes into, how much of you guys goes into the conceptualization, the writing, the playing, the recording, the editing, you know, the re-editing, like mm-hmm. all, these, all these components. They just hear the finished product. Um, and I applaud you guys for, you know, being so good at the technology that you guys use. I We've definitely gotten better, but a huge part of it, too, is our good friend Nick Pelk down at Automated mm-hmm. Studios in Littleton. Mm-hmm. If anyone out there shout needs... Out. Yeah, big <laughs> shout-out to Nick Pelk. Uh, nice. He's an absolute genius. He's worked with, like, a Grammy award-winning artist. He has, mm-hmm. like, gold records and stuff. Uh, interesting fellow, though. He's uh, taking a step <laughs> back from that to become a firefighter just because he really wow. wants to have some hands-on I'm helping the world yeah. attitude two weeks out of a month, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, he's one of our best friends in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely one of the weirdest motherfuckers alive. <laughs> <laughs> but we love him to death. And uh, he spent way more time than he should have uh, walking us through the process. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
making sure that we had a product that we were stoked about in the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we look forward to working with pretty much no one else but him. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, I don't think we future. have worked with anybody else. No, we've flirted with the idea. But, yeah, I think everything we've released, everything has been through him. <laughs> and he just keeps getting better, too. He cares yeah. about what he does, which is probably the most important. And, and he believes in you guys too. Yeah, he's he he taught me all of the like audio knowledge that I know for the most part. That and uh, Mr. Bill YouTube videos. Oh really? Yeah, that guy's quality educator that's put out just like hours and hours and hours of stuff. Man, you can learn online. anything on YouTube, and that's yeah. that's a perfect example of like a modern day collective consciousness machine, right? Yeah. right? Like you can literally. Like I don't have this information. Beep beep beep. Oh no, I have this. Yeah. It's like uh, Keanu Reeves. You know, you just download <laughs> it by watching a video. It's a beautiful yeah, exactly. thing, especially with how dependent we are for technology now. Kind of regardless oh, yeah. of what field of work you do, you can be in construction, medical, entertainment, whatever. You have to have some grasp of technology. Mm-hmm. But we're on this weird cusp right now where it's like, okay, if you kind of invest yourself in becoming a cyborg, you can kind of do anything right now. I wouldn't think that. I'd be producing our own music or making visual art or any of that stuff uh, 10 years ago, but just locking myself in my basement for two, three years, you know, just popping out on the other side. I have all these tools that I only imagined on the other side. Wow. It's really not as hard as people think. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds kind of like, but I promise anyone out there, if you spend the time and just kind of say, fuck the party, fuck having friends for the most (laughs) part, and just like... Spend the time to learn something. You can do anything these days. Yeah, yeah I pra- believe it. Practice makes yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. Just keep trying, and you'll figure it out. Yeah, so, I believe right. it. That's what I feel yeah. being in school right now. It's like no time for friends, no time for anything. Like every minute of every day is scheduled, and yeah. you know. I went through that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a sacrifice. You know, it's that alchemy. You yeah, know, you can't exactly. get anything. And I'm changing as the process is unfolding. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm performing this alchemy on myself, you know, trans- trying to transform myself into something, I guess, more valuable. Yeah, I look at kind of especially human beings as like Taurus energy fields. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that shape. It's like you have the input and output, whether it's food and you eat stuff and you poop it out or, you know, it's a book and you absorb the knowledge right. and spew it out at some party trying to sound Cycles, smart or whatever. Yeah, yeah you know, kind of. <laughs> Whatever it is, whatever you input into your body, you're going to output in a certain way. But uh, it's not just what you go in. You have to make sure that, like, the core of your torus is kind of aligned right to make sure that you're processing the information right. You can read a thousand self-help books, you know, and still be a piece of shit. It kind of matters, like, what you do with the information that really kind of comes in at the end of the day. Same thing with concerts. You know, you can go see... Your favorite artist a thousand times. It doesn't mean you're going to play guitar like them. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to be able to process the information, like evaluate what to do with it, and then output it. And you have to be willing way. to put in the work. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good place for us to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back for segment number two. Sounds Perfect. good. Yay. take a quick break from conversations with the mind i just want to let you know that this award-winning episode of the podcast is brought to you by mind ops so go check out the mind ops website m-i-n-d hyphen o-p-s now back to the show party time yeah all right we're back for section number two uh with the arturo complex and um yeah i just want to name his name since we were just saying it but uh 
and now his name just went out. Oh, Wesley Willis. Wesley Willis. Yeah, I have to say his name. Yeah, we were just talking about him and (laughs) another amazing musician, uh, homeless uh, man that used to headbutt people instead of shake their hand. He had like a perma bruise in the middle of his forehead, but got famous for playing the little Casio keyboard uh, as a homeless guy. As we said earlier, you can do anything, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if you set your mind to it. Yeah, anything. He will forever be remembered, you know, one of those originals. Um, Immortal legend. Yeah. Uh, and earlier when you were talking about, you know, as a musician, sort of tapping into that creative flow um, and just letting it go improv style, uh, I thought of Buckethead. I mean, oh, like, yeah. I've been on a Buckethead trip, and... It's amazing how many albums he's put out, like mm-hmm. 300-some studio albums. Dude, what? Sure, yeah. I think he I just that. goes into the studio and does, like, single takes. Just like, I'm going to bust out an album today, and then mm-hmm. like, we'll release it next week, and, you know. Some people uh, just love to crank. Some people love to tinker for mm-hmm. years, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. have songs that they work on for a decade mm-hmm. and still don't release. Uh, everyone's kind of got their own formula and flow that they like to work on. Some people's flows are a little quicker than others, and some people's are a little more, like, detail-oriented. But, yeah. Sure. Everyone's got a different equation that they like to do. Yeah, and uh, you guys fans of Tool? I I like Tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So they're known for, like, taking long gaps in between their albums, and this last one was, like, 13 13 years or something. 13 years, yeah. But I watched, like like, a mini interview or a mini documentary on something, and one of the band members said, like, oh, no, it only really takes us, like, two months to put together a full album. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we're so just good at it. I do mine, and I send it over there, and we can do it from across the country, and this is how we do it. And then, um, you know, it blew my mind because I thought that they had been working on this last album, Fear Inoculum, for that last 13 years. No, they're dicking around for most of it. Or doing side <laughs> projects or something, you know? Like, uh, yeah. Maynard has, like, Maynard. two other most bands. Most of the time, and Lucifer and, and, like... Perfect circle. Perfect circle. Perfect circle. Yeah. Uh, Two other uh, big bands. Yeah. <laughs> there's a. Uh, there aren't a ton of people out there that actually spend, you know, like upwards of a thousand hours on a track. There are people out there that mm-hmm. do, you know, sit on a DAW for a thousand hours for a single song, which is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think about how many weeks of work that is for your average normal American. And what's your know? limit? Like, what's your what's your normal song hour? This uh, this <laughs> last album, well, it's kind of weird because we recorded it three different times, and that's yeah. kind Interesting. of that was kind of a, a weird thing. Well, we recorded it four different times. Yeah. We demoed it, we recorded it, we weren't happy with the results, so we re-demoed it, and then we re-recorded it. So that took us three years to kind of demo it, get the ideas down, record it, which took about, as you were saying, like six weeks, two months or so. Um, we weren't stoked with the product. So then we demoed it again, and then the recording process the last time was very kind of spread out and sporadic. We'd only be able to work on it a weekend here and there, very spotchy. So it took us an incredibly long time to kind of redo it the second time. Do you have the same songs uh, that were on the first version, but maybe, I mean, did they change over time? Yeah, we edited them a little bit and changed them up. And it was actually kind of nice doing it the first time because it was like a rough draft that we could go back. It's like if you're like in school and you're writing a paper or something, Mm -hmm. and like you do the rough draft and then the final. It was kind of like that where we did the album and we listened to it and we'd been playing those songs for so long that we're like, no, let's change it here and there and add stuff to it or whatever. So it was really nice. I mean, 
it sucked because we spent a lot of money and lost a lot of money making that album, but you try to find the good things in it. Yeah. Yes, and that was one of them. Learn from your mistakes. I'm glad we did that, though. I'm super stoked on this, the product that we came out with. And Me too, man. I, I've listened to it a bunch of times already. <laughs> Thanks. Thank and I uh, shared it uh, when you guys first posted about it. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And um, I've gotten only good feedback from the listeners, too, as far as like the, the tracks that you guys, you guys did for me on for my show, oh, yeah, so true. people really seem to appreciate that. Good, yeah, it, oh, yeah. Uh, you know it helps. You know, um, music has an impact on consciousness for cool. sure, no, right? No, and course. so that's why I wanted to reach out to you guys in the first place with to make those tracks. Is like I, I wanted a way to, without words, maybe even like connect the audience to the show emotionally mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some way. Um, and that's what, that's what those tracks in there do, you know, um, one kind of connects them and leads them in, um, one primes them for the interview and then one blows their mind out, you know, at the end. (laughs) So, uh, you know, with this new album, uh, with, with the knowledge that music affects other people's consciousness, it affects your listeners' consciousness, like what... What was the intention behind this new album? Like, what are, what are you trying to... What message are you trying to spread through your music? Uh, so the album's called The Fabric, mm-hmm. which uh, is kind of named after, like, the uh, kind of connection, you know, just kind of everyone being connected to each other, being intertwined with each other. So I guess that's really kind of just the big one on this is get together. Yeah, the, the fabric <laughs> that ties us all together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Without, you know, without us really even knowing what it (laughs) is, you know, we just kind of settled on that for a name because that was the, originally, there's two songs on the album called The Fabric, which are, you know, the longest songs, so it's like, well, yeah, let's just call it that, you know, so it's, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that takes up most of the album, but (laughs) kind of looking back, it is kind of the most important idea that is conveyed on it is this sense of the whole universal mind lattice connection, everyone Mm -hmm. is one kind of idea. That's beautiful. Um, I had a uh, a really intense high dose ketamine session one time, and I get this visualization oftentimes when I feel like I'm being shown like the the fabric of reality or what it like would look like or something mm-hmm. or whatever my conceptualization of it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm frequently shown like um, images of fabric or images of threading or ropes or something mm-hmm. like that and how you know a rope is not just one strand right mm-hmm. if you unpeel a rope it's like so many different mm-hmm. strands that all come together into this one right. this one that's why right. I'm, I'm a pretty peel. like firm believer in string theory and stuff yeah. and like why it makes a lot of sense to me and can you explain of, that a little bit for the audience like what string theory is so yeah, essentially there's like dimensional folds inside of every like tiny subatomic particle they say i think it's 11 is what they say but the way that i kind of look at it and this is all just speculation and wookery at this point so i'm giving that disclaimer (laughs) before i go on this rant uh what i was talking about before with how like every decision you make kind of opens up a parallel universe i kind of look at it like at every single moment there's kind of 12 turns there's the one you're on and then those like 11 other dimensional strands Mm kind of like the 11 hands on a clock the 12 Blah, blah, blah. It's just kind of how nature divides itself naturally is into these, like, 12 segments. Uh, so each one of those, like, dimensional folds would be, like, a different way that you can kind of navigate at that given point in time, I guess. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, nature organized itself among a structure of 12 
Um, you just look at like the seasons, like twenty four hours in a day, that type of thing. It's just oh, like, true. Yeah, it's, like it's very based on twelve. Like uh, I guess that was the, the zodiac. zodiac. Yeah. The zodiac is based okay. into twelve. Uh, Interesting. You know, I'm no numbers person. Sure. You know, I wish I knew more about same, it. Same with like the circle of fifths. It's yeah, separated. twelve harmonic tones oh, for nice. Western music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure people want to Google twelve like, yeah. tons of crazy shit will <laughs> pop up like. Nuts. Yeah, there's well, a bunch of crazy yeah. shit. And I heard a story about, like, uh, I guess I was relating it to the story I heard about, um, like, why we call a foot 12 inches. And mm-hmm. that was, like, tied to, like, the size of a king's foot back in the day mm-hmm. was that. And um, and that was, I mean, that's an obvious, you know, that's a social construction. That's mm-hmm. something that somebody made up, mm-hmm. uh, right. made up by humans. But we still, like, naturally divide that into 12 segments. Right. You know, and which so, yeah, I don't think they're, I don't think that they, that those two things are maybe related as much as I originally maybe. thought in my mind. Who knows? Could be. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen patterns like uh, like sunflowers and things how they spiral out and Fibonacci spirals with yeah. phi. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I uh, there's a bunch of like numerologists and like numbers people out there that talk about how like when we do find like alien life and stuff, it's highly unlikely that they'll be like on a base ten system for their math. Mm. Just because when you look in nature, there's rarely base ten anything like on how nature organizes itself with numbers it's always either five or 12 or some more like evenly distributed a little more like naturally occurring hmm. numbers and shapes and stuff uh so it's kind of this idea that like we based our math off of kind of this weird it's because we have 10 fingers and 10 toes mm-hmm. is really why we base it off of it yeah which is you know 10 appearing in nature but like more common than not are kind of these like base 12 and base like six and eight systems that appear in nature a lot more like, music is, like, a base eight and four for the most part. People love four on the floor, you know, four evenly spaced things. But 12 is huge in, like, Latin music and, like, polyrhythms are easiest to access in, like, 12 divisions with four over three and kind of feelings mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so you can get more based on kind of, like, a fractal nature when you start working inside of 12 because you can divide it by fours or divide it by threes. There's a bunch of, like, new options instead of just, like, here's four, it's two divided by two or whatever. It's even. You're kind of stuck that way. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to twelve, you have a lot more different like subdivisions that you can like work in. Mm-hmm. So, based on those ideas, like, what do you guys think are the potentials for uh, like healing through sound, through music, by engaging like some of the more um, like the patterns that are found in nature more frequently? Or uh, I've I've seen things about you know with cymatics and, like, different hertz and frequencies that have different effects on different organs and things like that. Um, I mean, you guys have got to be somewhat hip to hip to some of those effects, right? Dylan knows a lot about So that. I'm, like, kind of torn on that because there's, like, definite, like, obvious things where they're, like, blasting cancer cells with, like, sound lasers yeah, right yeah. now. You know, and that's just, like, that's not up for debate. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this malicious cell and we're just destroying it with sound you can't call that you know quackery or anything right. like that we need but, a music tone like that for people's consciousness yeah and that's a little <laughs> tricky because some sound healing that might work for some people isn't going to work for other people mm-hmm. a lot of that depends on how receptive the person is that's the same case for physical therapy sure. and kind of all forms of therapy you you probably know yeah this. mental health too you can drag a horse to water but you can't make him drink mm-hmm. um so I think sound therapy, things like isolation tanks, binaural beats, any 
form of therapy. Like you can present the tools with people, but it's really up for the user to make something out of it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, And use it the right way. And use it the right way. And that's why I also have kind of mixed feelings on the whole psychedelics being completely introduced to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. It's like seeing how weed was treated and how capitalizing it's just like, buy, you know, buy as much fucking goo as you can, get ripped on it. Uh, I don't necessarily want people being able to go and buy as much mushrooms as they can and just absolutely Mm -hmm. rocking their mind. I don't think that's the safe, (laughs) yeah, right way of doing it. It's a tool that kind of needs to be educated and used properly instead of just diving, just like bonkers deep. Do I think they should be regulated and decriminalized? Definitely, though. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'd hate for it to see... You know, or hate to see it go like corporate. You know, yeah. I mean, already I can see that being dangerous. Yeah, you know, think about how many alcohol-related deaths happen yeah. each year, and how that doesn't get a bad rap. Yeah. You and know, even with cannabis, like the taxes are insane. Like twenty-five, thirty percent on that. You know, imagine. You know, then you're starting to tax nature in this other way, and mm-hmm. who's getting the money for the taxes? I I recently heard too that all that money that I thought was going to schools and education in our state from the marijuana tax stuff was not going to schools because the schools were also getting money from the feds and the feds said you can't accept uh, cannabis money. So, so the money, you know, all the, all the good reason. Yeah. All the good. But that's just further reasoning why cannabis needs to be decriminalized. Yeah, totally. On a national level. That's, I mean, that's not even an argument these days. I doubt many of your listeners out there are going to be like, Hey, I'm anti-weed, but (laughs) I mean, Cannabis was illegalized in the first place to, like, lock black people up for the most part. You know what I mean? It never really caused a problem in society, ever. Just civil rights movement, like, popped off with Abe Lincoln way back Mm -hmm. in the day. You know, even pre-MLK, they're like, we need something to persecute black people with. It's weird being a white person talking about that, but (laughs) also need to own up to it, too, about why this shit is the way that it is in the first place, you know? Because now we're in states like California and Colorado where someone's making millions of dollars Mm -hmm. off of this shit. Meanwhile, people are rotting in prison still over it, which right. is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've been seeing, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, Big Pharma has been trying their best to, like, swipe up and, and stake claim to their part of the psychedelic movement, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnson & Johnson tried to patent uh, esketamine, this nasal spray uh, ketamine treatment, which turned out to be not quite as effective, I don't think, as uh, the normal treatments. And then I just read something last week about a company, maybe in California, trying to um, trying to manufacture uh, psilocybin, you know, mm-hmm. um, into pills mm-hmm. and things like that, and trying to like patent it and things like that. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of sneaky people with the wrong ideas mm-hmm. out there too definitely yeah, like any tool it can be misused you yeah. know there's mm-hmm. you go to any Red Rock show and you can see that in the parking lot so. sure <laughs> some some guy puking next to his car <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time a, it's from alcohol that is true um I was a janitor at Red Rocks actually when I was 18 years old and a couple awful experiences were just like pulling people out of the bushes and shit because mm. they did too much of whatever whether it's <laughs> alcohol or k or heroin or whatever you know uh constantly pulling looks out of the bushes like, every morning it was a fucking ritual like slapping them like please don't make me call an ambulance it's 10 grand you know but mm-hmm. uh regardless of where you are and what cultural things have been taught no matter how woke or whatever it is you're going to come across some 
issues and people misusing the tools and misusing the culture and kind of doing things poorly. That's mm-hmm. just kind of inevitable. That's human spirit, you know. So it sounds like you guys all have my, you have healthy relationships with mind-altering chemicals. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I definitely have struggled with addiction in the past. Yeah, I mean, me you know this. I've talked to you about this stuff. Uh, I was an alcoholic from like when I was 16 mm-hmm. until I was 21, making terrible, terrible decisions. So I just had to completely ax alcohol out of my life. Me too. That was part. That was the only part of the equation that kept uh, the you know kept it imbalanced. Mm-hmm. As soon as I removed that, everything came back right back into balance. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I want to ask, I mean, we talked a little bit about the new album. Um, by the way, are you guys doing a tour for the album or any kind of... We're hoping uh, so at okay. some point. We're we're trying, we are highly to... disorganized. We're good, good at yeah. the artsy side of things. The business <laughs> side of things are not our forte. Yeah. And we have been. We're okay. actually like working on new songs right now. Oh, so nice. So hopefully good. we'll have some, at least a song hopefully out in the summer at some point. Yeah. So. Okay. So I want to know, um, and this is out of pure curiosity because this is something I don't know about you guys, but how did you guys... Uh, find each other how did you guys get connected how did you guys how did your consciousnesses come to merge into this this new living thing called the Otero (laughs) Complex Um, so me and Dylan uh, met in what 6th grade 6th grade in detention detention yes yeah we were betting on fights yeah. <laughs> we, we had like a fight club. We were like eleven, grade. and we yeah, had a ridiculous. fight club with like a racket in the hole. We had betting going on everything. Yeah, what did you guys crazy. just get done watching, like uh, John Claude Van Damme? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know what happened. <laughs> the, the poor decision started before I was an alcoholic. Like, <laughs> yeah. I always made poor decisions, and that's how I met. But that's up. how we became friends. And, and uh, we were playing music together in like seventh grade. Yeah. Like eighth we had grade. A, yeah, we were in a band. Johnny well, Rocket and the Emo Kids. Yeah, yeah. Was the first band we were with each grade. other in seventh, seventh grade. Yeah, um, but then uh, in high school, emo, emo didn't exist when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so in high school, he was doing more uh, like marching band kind of dominated his time for music. Mm-hmm. So we weren't able to like play music with each other as much. And I was in a bunch of like local metalcore bands, and that's where I met a bunch of mutual friends. How I'd eventually meet this guy, mm-hmm. and I we have no fucking clue how we met each other. We've, we have talked about it so many times. <laughs> like, there's not a defining moment where it's just kind of like we blended in together. <laughs> well, you just probably cross paths enough so many times. You're like, oh, we've just been friends for a while now. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty huh. much. So but, that was part of a metalcore. Yeah, the, the Westminster yeah. metalcore scene back in like West the mid-core. Like, <laughs> the mid-2000s was just like, there were so many bands. There were so yeah. many metalcore bands out of Westminster, Colorado in like, <laughs> the mid-2000s to where there was just like 50 or 60 of us, and we all were sluts in each other's bands just like hopping around. <laughs> but uh, we had recorded a couple demos. Me and Joe had finished high school, and we started writing music. And we had recorded one or two songs with, like, just the two of us down at Augmenter Studios, Nick Pelk, who we were talking about earlier. And I was like, man, we really need a fucking bass player. Mm-hmm. This shit sucks. So well, there's three of us at that time. Mm-hmm. A guy named Ricky, Ricky Germain. Germain. Yeah, he was in the band at that point, too. So then Josh started playing as, like, a session musician originally. Mm. And eventually we just hook-lined him. He in. didn't want to join the band because he was in no. this band, that the Panoramic. Band, yeah. The yeah. Panoramic, which is an excellent uh, metal band yes. from up here in northern Colorado. Yeah. Definitely Love those guys. If you get the chance. Yeah. Nice. But after that, uh, after we kind of locked Josh in, uh, 
lots of other members have came and went, and we won't get into the full details of all of that. Jazz, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just kind of been inseparable for us. You know, even if we don't have anything to work on, we still find bullshit reasons to get up and work on something, even if there's nothing to work on, you know. Mm-hmm. And hang out with each other. Hang mm-hmm. out. We enjoy each other's company. Jokes. That's right. one of the yeah. biggest reasons why we are a band. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why you guys probably been around as long as you have, you mm-hmm. know, is because you guys, you built it from a, you know, a deeper connection than just the music, you know, mm-hmm. the music is just the expression of... Of the friendship and the time yeah, that you spend. Yeah, of you guys hanging out. Totally. Yeah, you know, the music is like the product of your hangout sessions. Yeah, you know? it's the byproduct of us uh, just not really wanting to do anything else with our time. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, though, that you guys all had an, in, an interest in the same thing. Yeah. Because I think uh, in middle school, you know, it was me and my uh, probably two or three other friends, and we were just like a skateboard crew. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we did. School and skateboarding, and then we just hung out as much as possible. But as soon as we got done with high school, uh, you know, and we did our own things in high school. Some of us were athletes, some of us were into drugs, some of us were other things. Uh, but after high school, uh, we didn't share, like, the same interests anymore. So a lot of those friendships, like, kind of dissolved away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really value that, too. I think my best friends are are the ones who, you know, I've had since, I have two of them since sixth grade, and, uh, you know, we connect on so many things uh, mm-hmm. that it's easy to, you know, sit down in any moment and just, like, have a handful of things that we can talk mm-hmm. about, you know, that we can hang out and um, share that consciousness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys notice it, but, um, uh, you know, out in everyday life, you know, I interact with some people, and it's it just feels like um, that connection is not there, mm-hmm. you know, like... Mm-hmm. For some reason, I cannot get my consciousness to merge with what you're trying to tell me here and connect with you on that level. Um, maybe because they're interested in the new Taylor Swift album. Or, <laughs> exactly. I've been like I have been called a weirdo and like a freak since I was like five years old. Mm. Like I I figured out pretty early on that like normal people in me weren't gonna like vibe out too hard. I'm very good with like. <laughs> interacting with them, you know, I could be friendly, ah, but, like... You can play their game. Yeah, I can yeah. play the game, definitely, but when it comes to, like, raw interaction, like, I only hang out with fucking weirdos who I make, like, music and art with. I wish I hung out with other people more, but I just only like making music and art, and mm-hmm. if I'm gonna spend my time, I hope you like doing what I like doing. Yeah. I know that's selfish, but... <laughs> It means that me and whoever I'm working with at that time get to, like, grow together. We're not just sitting around shooting the shit or whatever. It's, like, every second that we're hanging out, at least something's going in some direction. That, yeah. And I think if you and your friends can find that, whether that's music or art or shit, these days you can make a living playing video games. If you and your homies want to just crank on video games, mm-hmm. give it your all, you know? But, like, find a squad that you're passionate about something with and just give it your all. Yeah. And uh, you'll be oh, happier yeah. in the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And always have something to, you know. Something to do, yeah. Whether you're with your squad or not, you know, uh, so often when I'm sitting there, I'll be playing music, and I'm like, oh, what will Joe do this? What will Josh do to this? You know, so keeping my homies in mind, even when I'm by myself and cranking on stuff, uh, using them as my inspiration, you know, to, like, keep going further, even when they're not around, mm-hmm. is a super useful tool. What other, and you know, I think this, uh, one of the most common interview questions for musicians is like, who are your influences, right? <laughs> who are your inspirations? 
Um, but I want to ask that to you guys, but in a different way. And um, maybe not so much who are your musical influences and who's, who's influenced you to like pick up a certain style, but outside of music, who have been your influences, uh, people you've read and philosophers mm-hmm. and things like that, who have been your influences that also help shape your expression of music or your, your exploration of self through this art form? We all come from very different backgrounds. Yeah, so we all have very different answers for this. Very right? different, yeah. which is so cool about it. It makes it super colorful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like each of us have, a, have had a different personal experience with it. We can all come together and share that together. And I think it's beautiful. But anyway, as far as like influences go, um, I guess part of my being, I guess, uh, that's, that's kind of a hard one to answer. I know my, my father is definitely a big influence on me. Just he, everything that he's taught me. And I, he's, he just says, to thine own self be true is like his number one catchphrase. And I take that with me to, within music too. And like being completely honest with myself in that moment. Cause that's a sacred moment for me was mm-hmm. when, when I'm playing and like when, when I'm not honest with myself and when I'm like not honest with like what I'm playing, like I'm thinking about something else, like I'm elsewhere. I'm not having a good time with it. I'm not vibing with my instrument I feel like disconnected, but like when I'm true to myself and true to the, my intent in playing, then it's just like flourishes and vibes and we come up with sicker ideas, you know, and, um, that's kind of a random tangent, (laughs) but, um, yeah, my, my dad influences me a lot. Um, nice. Good. I love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd kind of have to say kind of the same thing. I think every member of my family has influenced me tremendously just from, you know, all the things that we've gone through together and stuff like that. And especially coming from, like, wanting how I became a musician and wanted <laughs> to do that. Um, my mom is a classical pianist, and I grew up with that. Like, since the day I was born, wow. we had classical music playing like all the time you know and um i think that's kind of when you know with classical music being instrumental usually it's just a piano especially in my household it was one of those things where i realized i could get certain emotions and feelings just from sounds and just from you know her playing piano and i remember when i was a little kid i would just lay under the grand piano and just like sleep there you know because i just love the sound of her playing and stuff like that um so I think that, you know, and then also like my brother, he was in bands when he was in high school and he'd always drag me along. And so I think that was another way of getting me into, you know, like punk rock and all those different genres and stuff like that. And But then, you know, my sister and my brother were both in theater and they were always singing songs and everything like that. So I think just being in a household full of musicians, people that liked having that artistic side to them really kind of influenced how mm-hmm. it became me today, I guess. Nice. I definitely was influenced by my family, just like these guys, too. Uh, My dad's just all about, like, doing the right thing and being just this man, you know, and just, like, standing up for the underdog and that type of stuff, and that's always kind of made me be, like, it doesn't matter if I'm, like, top dog, because I can still help everyone, you know, so that's kind of been, that came from him. 
Whereas my mom is like the trippiest, weirdest fucking lady on the planet. I love her to death, but she is a walking <laughs> cartoon character. <laughs> where she just, uh, ever since I was born, she was like, whatever's fine. You know, it doesn't matter if this music's from this country, if this show's from this country. Like, I am so inspired by anime, which my mom uh, showed me like when I was a kid, you know, introducing me to Miyazaki films and stuff like that. My wife loves those movies. Oh, I, I mean, who favorite. doesn't? They're the best. Uh, but especially with, like, anime, there's always this moment, in, regardless of what series it is, where, like, the hero just gets, like, beaten to a pulp, and it's like, this is it, this is the end, you know? It's that moment in the hero story where it's at its, like, absolute darkest, but then something happens, usually thanks to friends or inner light or whatever, that just, like, allows you to conquer whatever hardship that is and, like, do whatever it is. So mm-hmm. just kind of that attitude... And just carrying that into everyday life, uh, even beyond music, you know, just interactions, whether it's running. I love long distance running. It's a big passion of mine. But just that attitude of like, it doesn't fucking matter if I'm broken. Sure. I just got to push on further. I think uh, outside of family, I know that's such a weeb, ridiculous answer to say, (laughs) but like, I love the shit out of anime. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think I get similar things from like um, samurai movies. Exactly. You know, I watch those and it, it... like, I get done watching, I'm like, I can fucking be that honorable, too. I'm going to go on this mission, you know? Yeah, it's, it's this weird thing where in the traditional, like, hero story that, you know, you're taught in high school, it's like, here's the full thing, and the hero, like, saves the day, but they leave out this really important factor, which is, like, the hero has to, like, absorb the corruption of the world and, like, process it in, a, like, an appropriate way. Yeah. It's not like you're conquering evil. You, like, absorb the evil into yourself and process it into something better, into something new. Pro- preferably love. Yeah, mm-hmm. using alchemy, you know. Yeah, totally. It's so much less about, like, killing the dragon with the sword and, like, you know, identifying why was the dragon merkin fools in the first place you know which is at least to me that makes you so much more of a hero than just you know saving the day is uh fixing the situation that made it to where you had to save the day kind of in the first place have you guys ever heard of um the hero's journey oh yeah yeah for sure so you know for the listeners out there who might not be familiar you know uh i think it was was it william james they kind of identified it first. Yeah. yeah, and he, you know, he saw across cultures that, like, all these mythical stories all had, like, the same sort of cycle that the hero would go through, mm-hmm. including, like, I don't even remember all the stages, but something like... It was, you know, like, departure, to, and then you, like, usually come across some type or, of... No, the calling, yeah, right? Like the calling, but then the refusal of the call, because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. happens, and then, like, the acceptance, and then, you, yeah, you go down into the cave... Uh, but you meet allies along the way, and you come out. Yeah, we were taught Dante's Inferno. Okay. That's what they like showed us in our high school to kind of like demonstrate that. I right. remember learning those in tandem with each other. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. you know there all these other stories in our culture are almost all of them are based off of that, right? Yeah. Like Star Wars and like yep. the Avengers, and all these things are about the hero going down into the depths. I even saw one on Rambo movies. <laughs> that was pretty good, and it literally shows him like. Going down, like in Rambo Part 2, like going underground in these uh, underground Vietnamese caves. And it's like, see, he's going into the depths of the cave. <laughs> and that's usually like the worst part where yeah, he's like yeah. absolutely defeated. Yeah. You know? But that happens to everyone exactly. on a day-to-day basis. You yeah. know, you crash your car, you do this, you do that. Like Every day is a hero's journey. Exactly. Yeah. you got to wake up and you got to go it's, to bed at the end of the it's day. It's like those basic um, archetypes, if you will, mm-hmm. of just living. Um I know, like, like the tarot has all of those different archetypes in it, too. It, it shows the fool's journey, which is pretty much the hero's journey, you know, like, the, uh, 
he he starts out not knowing anything and then gets put into all these different situations that he would learn to either you know do this and live or you're gonna die kind of things and he mm-hmm. goes all the way up through the the victory and you know I, I think because humanity relates to these certain archetypes. Mm-hmm. In these situations, these and patterns that just tend yeah. to repeat themselves. You're talking exactly. about like simulation theory mm-hmm. earlier, which is definitely a probable thing. So, they're things like they're just programs, yeah, yeah. like bravery. Is there a program for a bravery? Program. Yeah, then? or yeah. love, or exactly. Whatever. So, I don't think it's necessarily like a computer that we're inside right. of because our understanding of machines, but it does seem likely like it's some form of technology, heavy mm-hmm. quotation marks on that, that's kind of building these, uh. It's like a codex, this like mainframe of like the rules and regulations, not just involving in physics, but also on metaphysics as well. Yeah. Whether that's like emotions or how you perceive things. Uh, and when you kind of disregard that coding is when you start to see like mental illness and stuff appear, you know, when you're mm-hmm. kind of like, no, this isn't the way it is. And it's like, this is, you know, how the universe fucking works. Right. Disregarding that. like uh, Right. Why are you mm-hmm. fighting against your own coding? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you were talking about that, yeah, I just got a flash of like, uh, you know, because I, I believe a lot in like uh, energy and frequency and wavelengths and things like that, mm-hmm. and all matter is made out of this. And um, when you're talking about receiving downloads, um, you know, things like that, um, I was imagining picking up our signal of consciousness and, and interaction and, and these infinite um, slices of the universe through. That means through wavelength, through frequency, through vibration, <laughs> you know, and and how um, you know maybe we've you know we've lost the ability to share thoughts across um, frequency or like when I think of a friend and you know they call me the next day and mm-hmm. I haven't talked to them in years, you know, mm-hmm. there's something to that, you know. Yeah, um, I have I've had experiences like uh, out of body experiences where I feel like I've tr- literally traveled and um, seen people doing things and they report that they were doing those things so you wow. know science can't say any of you know is is that real or whatever but i know it's real because i experienced it mm-hmm. you know uh, i don't know where i'm going with any of this <laughs> but just off on a ramble about um i don't know i think what we're talking about all these experiences and consciousness and all this stuff is is so broad and so vast and so many different experiences of it um it's tricky talking about it in the first place it just is. because mm-hmm. there's so many different facets to it and there's like infinite different ways that you can perceive and experience consciousness. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Right? It's to where you kind of build your own story. Right. You are like the protagonist to your own story at right. the end of the day. So it's kind of important to make sure that you're keeping your like cycle of the hero's rhythm. You were saying like every day is a hero's like journey, right? Yeah. So kind of making sure that you have this like circadian cycle when it comes to that journey and making sure that you're completing the appropriate tasks at the appropriate place like a old saying i always like is like life's going to show you the same lesson again and again until you learn it or it's Mm -hmm. like something along those lines but you it's like a video game where you can't move on to the next level until you've like passed the current one 
a lot of people are so caught up on like, oh, I'm gonna do this and that, and you know. No, just focus on what's right in front of yeah, you. Yeah, just that. Accomplish task. those mm-hmm. goals because you know it might take you lower. It might do this or that. You know, but an arrow's got to be pulled back before it can shoot forward. So I love that saying too. Mm-hmm. There's got to be an action too before you just let exactly. it loose. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people are scared to do that thing that might seem negative. You know, whether it's. Uh, moving to a new place or, you know, taking time off from your job or, you know, dating that person, someone who's telling you not to date, date them or whatever, mm. whatever the hell it is. Uh, oftentimes that, like, negative response or, like, that negative thing will be necessary, you know, if it, like, presents itself to you over and over and over again. Like, you got to deal with it somehow. Right. How do you guys deal with that kind of stuff? <laughs> stuff that keeps coming back and... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta face up. Well, I mean, you were talking about addiction before, and I remember my own path through addiction, and a lot of you know, my addiction was just secondary to what was really going on, right. which was you know, self hatred and um, neglect and uh, abuse as a kid and things like that, and uh, feelings of abandonment and all that stuff had to be resolved before uh, you know the addiction could mm-hmm. could be resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were some of the toughest things I think in my life that I've had to face and, but it felt necessary at the time. Like if I wouldn't have, um, I probably would have died by now, but I, I feel a lot of people aren't, or aren't, they're scared. They're scared to face those things. Mm -hmm. So how do, how do you guys, um, convince yourself or, or trick yourself or, um, you know, how do you proceed forward with courage or with blind ignorance to overcome, like, these challenges, these hero's journeys that you guys go through every day, just like everybody else, you know? Um, so it's like, at least for me, every problem is like a different puzzle, you know? Mm. Um, so you can't treat every problem with the same thing. There's some problems where you just got to treat it with like blunt force. And there's some things where you have to tinker more. And there's some things where you have to just like let it sit and grow, you know? Um, so I think kind of the first thing is identifying what the problem is. Mm. And then from there being able to identify how you deal with said problem. Um, there's no sense charging into battle if you don't know who your enemy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a waste of time and effort. Um, mm. but if you can know how to defeat that demon, you know, uh, if you can take the time to figure out how to defeat it, then you don't have to waste any energy fighting it then. You know, if you take that energy instead of fighting and figure out, you know, ways and strategies of dealing with it, you can uh, save yourself a lot of time and effort then just by taking time to reflect and have that conversation with the mind that you really need to. So you do your homework. Mm-hmm. It's like you mm-hmm. have a you have like a CIA force that goes in and make, yeah. d- does all the homework and makes sure and the, make the older I get the, the better that, that team gets yeah, that yeah. CIA Navy yeah. SEAL team yeah. gets it going in and destroying said demon because sure. they do more missions together and yada 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 yeah. if you want to look at it in a metaphorical sense but uh, intel is important you yeah. know what I mean especially when you're fighting yourself wow like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I get the best intel through uh, like meditation practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Or definitely jujitsu too. Like in jujitsu, I'm faced every day with my ego and my mortality and yeah. all these things, and you can't like run mm-hmm. off the mat and run away from it. Like you have to face that every day. So that that gives me a good opportunity to practice that. Mm-hmm. How about you guys? How do you guys overcome like those those 
tough mental challenges. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the, you know, the biggest thing to it is like recognizing that. Because I think a lot of times, like I said earlier, is like you only have one perspective, you have your own perspective, you know? So sometimes like, especially with like depression or anxiety or some of those things, like it's affecting your perception. So sometimes it's really hard to recognize that or come up with a way to fix it, you know, because it's consuming you. It's kind of like becoming you and stuff like that. And so I think the biggest thing is being able to recognize that and trying to just like realize that it's affecting you in a negative way or something like that. And for me, I think the biggest thing is just creating. I think that when I'm feeling in the darkest spots or something negative is going on in my life, I really do find comfort in playing music, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that's therapeutic. Um, It allows me to create, allows me to get out anger, sadness, whatever it may be. Um, And from there, like getting those emotions out or whatever, you can kind of come back to whatever it is and see it in a more clear way or something Mm -hmm. like that. Have you ever smashed your drum kit because you've been so... (laughs) I don't think I've ever smashed my kit, but I've broken a ton of cymbals uh, from aggressive playing, I guess. (laughs) Well, that's one part of music that I don't think... uh, that that I'm, like, personally, like, fearful of is, like, the... I mean, that's some serious strain, just working with those... With the same movements. Yeah. Um, you got to take care of your body, definitely. Yeah. I see a massage therapist uh, regularly. Repetitive, like I could see like, uh, what is it, uh, arthritis. Uh, purple setting tunnel yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Bad yeah. back. Yeah, terrible. How about for you? So how about for you? I, um, I also have like a, a meditation practice oh, that nice. I do. Yeah, and yeah, that, that really helps me mm-hmm. identify what's going on. Like I'll be upset about something and I'll take it out on someone who doesn't, who that's not where my anger is meant towards you know and so if i just like take 20 minutes to myself just like let it all out and then i can kind of see it objectively Mm -hmm. instead of through my eyes i'm like oh that's what's going on i'm at about x factor over here and not y factor over here so now i can kind of adjust myself and make adjustments Mm-hmm. Accordingly, and or at least try, because it's a lot easier said than done to yeah. like change, alter little parts of yourself that you can identify. Because it's always a struggle. But I mean, knowing that it's there is the first step, I guess. And then you can be, just become more aware of it, become more conscious of that trait of yourself or that situation that you need to pull yourself out of, or. A situation you need to put yourself into or you know i think that really helps me just like having 20 minutes a day breathe let it all out not even think about shit just nothing just completely void and then when i come back to it it's like oh now mm-hmm. i have the answer 20 minutes a day mm-hmm. man i feel like some days i need like eight hours <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not there's not never enough day, time but, right. yeah. uh-huh. but all right. Well, I got um, one last question that I've been dying to ask you guys. And I, uh, I hope you are open to sharing it, but um, um, I'm, I'm always interested in people's um, maybe most formative or informative uh, altered state experience. 
uh, whether that be with meditation or breath work or psychedelics or spinning around in circles or like a sexual experience or something like that that just like just you have a, a distinct memory of and that you know that it had some sort of impact on how you think about reality and think about consciousness or something. And if you're willing to share that, I think Definitely. that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know it, it, this is kind of cheesy, but like when, when we just like jam by ourselves and just kind of do a free ball, um, improv session, like sometimes it gets me to the point where I just like break down in tears and cry mm-hmm. And it's true. I've seen it. Like when you're, <laughs> when you're practicing? Yeah. Just oh, nice. not performing for anyone, just us, because it's like just such a, an it's in, church. intimate moment. Yeah, it's church. Mm-hmm. It's like Josh Barrett's no longer there, and like it's something else. And yeah, it's like that's such a profound moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's good. Like it, it always every time he does, he's done it a couple times. Yeah, and it always like you get you, man. It, it like moves the yeah, room. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm trying to think. So, going off of, uh, I think like the first time I did mushrooms was definitely a big one for me. How old were you? Um, 19, maybe 18 mm-hmm. or 19. Um, and we were out, I was in another band, and we were out on this big ranch making an album, and uh, we all took them together, and we just walked around the ranch, you know, like, while, while we were coming up, and I remember just looking into the ground and seeing all the fractals and everything, and, you know, the sky was beautiful, it turned, like, purple, like, it just looked purple, and I remember we went back in, and I just, like, felt like I was part of the entire world, you know, like I didn't feel human. I felt like I was part of everything. Like a super consciousness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember we went back in to like the house where we had the studio set up and, um, I was just sitting on the couch, just listening to music with my eyes closed. And I was like, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but I was on like a big Eagle flying through this Canyon. (laughs) No, that's serious. And I was like stopping off at like, weird moments in my life that I hadn't done the right thing or I was mean to someone like that. And it like really let me kind of see those moments from like an outside perspective and be okay with them and move from them and like grow from them. Um, that's, that's huge. Like you, it was huge. Yeah. Presented opportunities to forgive yourself. Yeah. It was amazing. And it was much needed. You know, I think, you know, through, Years of whatever, you any person is going to build up a lot of those moments in their life with whether it's regret or whatever. And for me, it was a very therapeutic thing um, to kind of go back to those moments and just, like, see it from a, a different perspective and see why I was wrong and being okay with it and moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was probably the biggest one that I've ever had. That's awesome. Sure. Yeah. The biggest one. Shit. Well, the best for last right here. Yeah. Biggest impact. <laughs> biggest play. impact. So, probably the moment that had, like, the biggest impact on my whole life, uh, I was in Spain with my family, and uh, we were in this cave system, and I was in a really weird point in my life. I had just dropped out of school uh, for music, just because, I don't know, I was lost. I didn't want anyone kind of directing me what to do with my life. Our band was just kind of starting up. I was just very confused about which direction I kind of wanted to take in my life. I was reading every single religious book I could find, whether it was the Bible or the Torah or, you know, Tibetan Book of the Dead, just grabbing every single fucking book on spirituality. And how old were you? I was 
18 at the time. So around 18. the same age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around the mm-hmm. same age. Um, I just recently kind of like really dived balls deep into psychedelics before this trip, and I was like, okay, everything I thought I knew is th- thrown out the window. What the hell is reality? And we were standing in this like huge cave system like the day after we had seen like these giant churches and these like beautiful mosques in southern Spain and stuff, and I'm standing in this cave system, I'm like, this is the closest thing to a church mm. I've ever actually been in. Like, screw any of that other shit. Like, this is the real deal. And I kind of had this like sudden realization that like nature is my religion. Like, this is, I'm a part of everything. Like, there is no like separation at all. We're all kind of, it was the most like beautiful moment of unison especially without psychedelics too. Mm-hmm. just be standing there next to my mom like holy shit like what the what the hell is this feeling coming over me and it was uh really intense to kind of just like have like this information just like beamed into me and just mm-hmm. like this sudden like moment of just like this is not necessarily the truth but like a path that i can be okay with i don't know if there is a truth to what the universe is but this is like a path that i can be content with and you know happily navigate for years and years to come sure. without like second guessing myself i guess it's a big moment for you yeah uh the hero in the cave <laughs> the hero in the cave exactly kind of going like full circle yeah. um i don't think that was the lowest point of my life though mm-hmm. my lowest point had yet to come mm-hmm that's saying so far, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was it was kind of the moment where I was like given the tools to like start dealing with problems at mm-hmm. all. Because up until that point, I just was like completely clues, clueless to how self development really worked at all. Sure, I was just like a leaf in the wind. But it was at that moment that I was like, okay, here's like a place. I'm amongst this giant infinite mesh, but here's, like, my place in the universe, in this giant infinite mesh, at least, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an important insight to have, because people get freaked out either way when they hear, like, like Buddhist concepts that say, like, you're just emptiness, you're nothingness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's other, on the other side of the spectrum, uh, still Buddhist, too, that say you are God, you mm-hmm. know, in the same mm-hmm. sentence, everything. right? Yeah. And you're everything, and you are nothing. And for some people, they're like what does that even mean? And the cosmos are so big and I'm smaller than the green of, uh, of sand, you know, in the universe. And, uh, so what's the freaking point of, of life? doing anything? Yeah. yeah. And so I think we all face those kind of questions, you mm-hmm. know, which I think is, that's why I like to bring people like you guys on the podcast to talk about these things. Cause we do all ask these questions and we're all trying to figure it out. And I think, one of you guys mentioned it's a puzzle earlier. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And if that's what it feels like to me, it mm-hmm. feels like humanity is, is a, a puzzle. It's a box of whatever, 7 billion pieces that's been dumped out. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for us to like try and make the connections and figure out like, how does this thing come together and how do we, with all the edges of the pieces constantly morphing. At yeah. The right. Same time. Yeah. 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 And some dying and some being know, yeah. Re- yeah, mm-hmm. born and reborn and being eaten by worms and getting shot out. Totally. Moms everywhere. And it just <laughs> cycle repeats. Yep. So I don't know if it ever will be like a perfect image, but to kind of relate it back to music, there's like, there's harmonious chords, there's dissonant chords, but like people are like individual notes. Mm -hmm. And when you like, we get together, we create chords and we create songs and shit. Yeah. Um, And create epic ballads. 
Yeah, and it depends on, uh, there's going to be different cadences and, mm. you know, bridge sections and this and that. And, like, the whole big metaphor of life being music is crazy because uh, at the end, the song does end. You do die eventually. And the song it's can't crazy. go on forever. Yeah, so <laughs> at least for me personally, I'd like to put out as much music as I can before I die, you know, mm. so... It's this weird, immortal shit. You know, I listen to Chopin all the time. Dude raged. Dude's gonna be immortal forever, you know? Like, it's a little bit trickier in the age of Spotify with this overabundance of artists, but, like, who's to say a hundred years from now our music still couldn't, like, have some, you know, 25-year-old laying there on the couch just like, ah, yes. Right, some impact. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, I, did, I, don't, I don't know what kind of impact this podcast has, but I know that people do connect to it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if even one person says that they've been affected by it, then I know that it's rippling out. And then it's, and then there from that is rippling out and, mm-hmm. and creating something better than what I found. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I always want to leave something better than the way I found it. So I guess that leads me into a great segue into my last question for you guys, which is, you know, if you guys had, um, if you could, and I know this is this is a tough question for me to, to ask, and it's just because it's such a broad topic, but uh, summing up, like, your total life experience, um, if you could share one piece of wisdom, self-knowledge, self-understanding with the audience that you think might land on somebody's ears to help them, uh, maybe some information you wish you would have gotten back in the day but didn't get, you had to go get it the hard way, or something like that, something you could leave... Um, maybe this is your piece to the puzzle for now. Um, what would that be? I guess for me, it would be, uh, kind of pay attention to the dichotomy about like the relationship with yourself and relationship with others. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to make a positive impact in the world, you obviously have to interact with other people to some degree. So making sure that it's positive, but also having your interactions with other people, influence you and making sure that you are pulling like positive things from them Mm -hmm. Uh, you do not want to surround yourself with shitty people because that's going to have you making shitty decisions Mm -hmm. Uh, the better people Mm -hmm. that you surround yourself with the better decisions that you'll be making that being said to the dichotomy section you have no control over other people's actions whatsoever so a huge aspect of life is being making sure that whatever piece of the puzzle you're thrown you know how to deal with it whether that's you know betrayal people dying bankruptcy kind of whatever making sure that you can figure out issues on your own without the helps of others either which sounds you know crazy because you know love is supposed to get everyone through everything but you have to have self-love kind of before anything else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it resonates a lot and competence too <laughs> yeah. gotta have competence. don't be a dumbass yeah. let me re- <laughs> let me take all that shit back <laughs> if i have any advice it's don't be a dumbass don't be a dumbass and that would be me speaking to myself be good at, at re- 18 yeah. and like a month ago too <laughs> be, good don't at, be, a yeah. dumbass. be good at relying on yourself but also be good uh relying on other people yeah I mean, exactly too. learn that what time you need to use both yeah nice yeah i think i mean kind of going off what he said but i mean i think the biggest thing is just be kind to people you know love people try to like not turn away from someone just because you don't understand them or something like try to understand people and even if you don't agree with them or anything like that be okay with that you know and let people be who they are because like dylan said you can't control other people people are going to do what they do um so i think i mean yeah love yourself love other people um and just try to let people be them. 
try to influence people, try to be influenced by people, um, but love yourself and love others. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll pr- pretty much totally on the same lines. It's like, you know, just remember that that other person is you, just mm. in another set of eyes, learning another set of experiences that go up into the conscious, mm-hmm. you know. Just like, just understand that. And then what would you want done to you if you were that person? Mm-hmm. You know, usually what they need is kindness. Mm-hmm. They don't need someone being an asshole to them. Right. So it's like, w- would you do that to yourself? Of course not. You wouldn't do that to yourself. Well, you might, unless you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. But then you gotta like like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, learn to love yourself mm-hmm. because you'll. You'll show that love to everyone that you go go across throughout your day, throughout your whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, because you are a, a certain to a certain degree, you are influencing everyone's life that you come into contact with. Every or, single person. That's a huge responsibility. It is. You know, mm-hmm. like just people take it for granted. Yeah, they do. And they're just like, ah, fuck this asshole. <laughs> you know, and, like it's. I, I just don't think that's worth it. And that's what I would say to my, for my little bit of wisdom. I nice. Guess. <laughs> All right, folks, you heard it here from Dylan, Joe, and Josh from the Arturo Complex. And, um, oh, yeah. If they, uh, so I'm going to post all your uh, Facebook info, your Gmail stuff on Thank the, on the um, thing. Um, are there any particular ways that you prefer people to reach out to you guys if they want to, like, book shows or, um, you know, We'll make sure that the email is just linked underneath okay, you. Just perfect. feel free to email us. Mm-hmm. It'll be one of the three of us dinguses emailing you back. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, feel free to reach out. Yeah. Anyone who has any questions about anything. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Even about, you know, animals and stuff. Nice. I'm not a professional, but I like them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice. Well, thanks for coming up, guys. I really appreciate your thank time. You, Absolutely. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Shade. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, folks, this has been... Conversations with the Mind with your host Shane LeMaster. Take care of each other out there, and we'll see you next time. Holy sheep shit. That was an amazing podcast. What an amazing group of guys that is. Thank you to the Arturo Complex again for coming by. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Joe, and thanks, Josh. It was super fun. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's the first time that... Uh, I've ever had so many people on the show at once in the studio. Uh, the microphone's held up really well, and uh, hopefully the sound is great for you guys. So um, don't forget to like and share the podcast. Um, just take a couple minutes and do that. Spread the word. Donate if you find any value in it and support our YouTube page. Go to mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com or MindOps YouTube page. Make sure you get that hyphen in there between Mind and Ops, or it's going to take you to some funky-ass page that's not ours. So until next time, be real, be true to yourselves, um, and keep on exploring, guys. This thing is limitless, and it's a miracle. It's amazing. Um, every moment is not going to be easy. Every moment's not going to be full of happiness. But trust me, that's how it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be happy all the time. And if we keep seeking that uh, that sort of outcome happiness all the time, we are going to be so 
so much suffering because um, we're just grasping. We're attached. So just live life the way it is. It's pretty fucking amazing on both ends of the spectrum. So until next time, we love you. This is Shane signing out with Conversations with the Mind. Peace. Conversations with the Mind podcast is sponsored, as always, by MindOps.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen OPS.com. Come check us out. We're an eclectic counseling company providing both mental health and mental performance services to individuals, small and large groups, teams, businesses, and military individuals through face-to-face sessions or at a distance using phone or confidential video chat apps. We bring a unique Buddhist Western lens and specialize in general psychotherapy for all mental difficulties sport and performance psychology for performance enhancement through mental training, addiction counseling for any maladaptive or destructive habits, and psychedelic integration therapy to make the most from your visionary medicine work. We're available as well for corporate workshops to address the needs of your employees' wellness. Thank you for listening to the show, and please go check us out, mindops.com and the MindOps YouTube page.